0: This is Action Sports Jax on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. My goodness, this week is all screwed up. Doesn't feel like Friday. It does, it does not feel like a it? Friday at all. I'm right not now. that guy, too. Like, I know what day it is most of the time, and I really don't care. They're all the same to me. But this does feel wacky. Sure. Like I, You know, I'll talk to people back home. They're going to school, back to school yesterday. Yep. Which I never understood about up north. I don't know if you, if people up in Wisconsin go back to school like during like the, the midweek. Yeah, like the yeah. middle of the week. Oh, like, yeah. Why are like yeah. my my nephew and niece like they're going to school well, for two days this week?
1: Like, just take the rest Brent, of the week off. Well, Brent, if you if you jump in a cold pool and that's what school basically is for kids, you have to dip your toes in first. You have to get them back in the groove a little oh my bit. That's gosh. That, that's why half the week works so well silly. Okay, man. I mean, that's your opinion. dude. My I'm mom had here. a good point, actually. She's yeah. like, I don't
0: understand. Like, up there, especially this time of year, mm-hmm. why would they go back for these two days where you have to put the heat on and all that kind of stuff? I good mean, point. It's got, from a cost-effective standpoint. Maybe that it's the fact, it. too, they're trying to make up for snow days
1: that are eventually going to happen as well.
0: Well, it, well, the reason they do it up north, I don't know how, how folks are... Um, I don't know where like the cutoff is, sure. but like in, in Ohio, this didn't happen. I know that for a fact because that's where my wife's from. And in New York, it didn't happen when we lived there. Hmm. But in Rhode Island and in, in Massachusetts too, like you won't get that super long uh, Christmas break like around here. Like it's an automatic two weeks. Yeah. But you get a February and an April vacation in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, and maybe Connecticut too. Wait, you didn't see, have that in Wisconsin. See, you get two
1: spring break. So first of all, we we didn't have spring break until my senior year.
0: You didn't even have an April? No, not an April. Or March or whatever? No, you just power through. Well, so like around here you get the spring break, right? So we have it in March? Yeah. But growing up as a kid, and I think still now, they have a February like winter break, and then they have an April break. You want to talk about soft? You had two spring breaks? Well, keep in mind, though, up there, they're going to school until like June 21st. Cat's okay, a little aggressive. That can ruin your whole summer, right there. Well, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, they did We didn't get off until
0: June thirteenth hey, was usually. You,
1: you, you get off of school and it's Fourth
0: of July, sweet. It is. Jeez. Well, but you don't go back until Labor Day. Yeah, for sure. So you have full July, August. Yeah. Like around here, like now, we go to everybody goes to school earlier than ever before, mm-hmm. and I love it down here. It Fits my schedule perfectly. Yeah, because. Obviously, training camp and football starts, so the kids going back to school in August is awesome. For sure. So you have June and July mostly. Yeah. And even a little part of May now. I think the kids around here get out on Memorial Day. Yeah. So um, it's more kind of the college alignment. Okay. But up north, man, it's it's weird. Oh, yeah. It's so late, and then they get out so late. From what I remember, we got off like mid-May. And then we go
1: after, it would be what? Memorial Day? Not Memorial Day. Yeah, Labor Day. Thank you. Then we go after uh, Labor Day. So, I mean, nice little break there. But once again, we didn't really have the spring break or anything like that going on. That's why it was
2: always bittersweet with the snow days. Because there wasn't actually a day off. They just added it to the end of the year. So you just got another day added to the end of the year if you couldn't go to school because of the snow. So if you got a week off, you got a week added at the end of the year. Yeah,
0: that's how it worked, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, So you you were... you were happy then, and then when summer came around, you're like, oh. But <laughs> even
0: around, I think even the Midwest, or maybe I was in Albany or something, they would work a couple of days into the calendar year. So Correct. if you yep. had more than, like, three snow days, well, then then you had to stay after for another day or two. Yep. But the three was already worked in. I, I don't think, uh, listen, the people up in the Northeast, they can be very um, uh, snobby about. Careful, Brent. No, well, they can, about, okay. like, their, their education. Sure. And it is. I mean, look, at all, all the Ivy League schools are up in that way. There's a yep. tons of, ton of universities, very smart folks. But. I don't think they do the school system correctly in terms of the calendar year. Okay. I really don't. I, okay. I think they're wrong. Now, seeing in New York and and the Midwest and and down in the South, I think they're wrong up there. Well, to be fair, we all them out. Well, that's well, why we're starting to Friday.
1: Oh, well, I guess so. But to be fair, we all went to schools in different part of the country, and here we, we we're all together
0: here. So and we're all dumb. Uh, here we are. But I, yeah. uh, ah. I couldn't could come with you, you on that me one. Trying to spell. Yeah, I could come with you. I mean, you're just you, a dumb sports guy. I mean, you've you got a better ATT than me. You but. get hit in the head for a living, dude. I'm not giving you like for, some for the past. I'm not giving you some <laughs> Ivy League degree for that.
1: <laughs> hey, to be fair, I went to Murray State. It was the nation's public Ivy League at the time. <laughs> That's that, that. was the big catchphrase. Murray State, nation, the nation's public Ivy League. So,
0: put that on my resume. Very good. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very uh, much. Well, uh, here we are on a Friday. It yeah. is Friday, so we get this uh, strange week and. Now we head into the weekend playoffs. We'll talk a little bit of playoffs. I've got a couple of topics today, and it does relate a little bit to how the Jags are structured, but also what the rest of the NFL is doing. And I've really uh, uh, done a 180 on this thought process coming up. It's more the – there was a trend in the NFL, I want to say in the early 2000s. It may have even ventured into the first decade of the 2000s, and the whole thing, Mm -hmm. where coaches – had the ability to have the power over personnel as well, right? And so they kind of combined the two. Almost it felt like they had eliminated the GM and made the one guy do everything. Sure. And I didn't like it because it didn't work. He couldn't put enough attention on it's both. It's just
1: too much on one person's plate it to It really handle. is.
0: Yeah. But I've done a little – I don't know if it's complete 180, but now we're starting to see the coaches have a little bit more power. I think, and and that's the way these jobs are being framed. There's a really good tweet by Ian Rappaport today about how many have done it this way, even if it doesn't feel like it used to with the one guy kind of running everything. But I I feel like it's almost the correct way to do it. And that will speak, now I do, I've changed my mind on this, and that will speak a little bit to maybe even why, again, we're still searching for answers here, Mm -hmm. why Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell are getting another crack at this, specifically Doug Marone. Okay. So I might get into that a little bit later. It's a little bit of a deep dive, but I think it's an interesting conversation uh, about how things are structured in the NFL. And we never truly know, right? Even now, I, I got a lot of this this week. Well, if you guys would ask the right questions, of course, it's always our fault. <laughs> but, well, how about this? Maybe if they would give us the right answers. Sure. And maybe be a little transparent about things. What's the right question, though? Well, like, what, what are they... I, but what they okay. want to know and what we want to know is okay, who did have the power in the building? Ah. Uh. Right? Mm-hmm. Who did have it? Like who made that decision to extend Bortles, to mm-hmm. bring Foles, to draft Fournette, to draft Taven Bryan? Who made those decisions? Well the answer is is obvious. Not one person made the decision, because if we're in here and we're going to do a show today, I mean I can suggest what topics we're going to do, but we mm-hmm. also can bounce back and forth and say, hey, let's take it here and there and your input and Kuz's input. We probably should do that more. But um <laughs> I, I think that's the way things work. Correct. Right? I mean yes, what the the person of higher rank is is maybe there to say, All right, if we can't come to an agreement, we're doing it this way. Sure. All right. Or maybe set the tone. Mm-hmm. And and they do maybe have that, that veto button. You know what if Shot in that war room said, I want this guy and he never even looked at a tape or anything, he's Shot he can Correct. go pick that guy if he
1: wants. Yeah. He can. Well, and listen, we've seen this before with Jack Del Rio and Gene Smith, yeah. right? And what happened? Gene Smith drafts Blaine Gabbert. Del Rio doesn't know about it, and we know how that marriage lasted, right? I mean, Blaine Gabbert ended up not doing so well. Uh Gene Smith was out of a job, and then Jack Del Rio got let go as well. So you see what happens when you don't communicate, when you don't have input. And you just kinda go off a whim uh by one person
0: and Gene Smith. Well and and again, and I will say when we had that story and mm-hmm. that went nuts and that went viral in the summer when we had Jack Del Rio on, and I'm not saying I don't believe Jack Del Rio, I appreciate him sharing that story. Uh, but there were a lot of people that week and a couple weeks after and still today that say that wasn't true. Or that's not true. Interesting. Or this, and and what I say to that is maybe the semantics of it all. Like he knew they were interested in Gabbard. Mm-hmm. Or maybe but How much of it was... He didn't know right then they were trading up and going to get him and, and bam. Like that decision was made with him at the buffet line. Sure. You know, so again, and I'm not saying Jack's wrong on it. I'm just saying there are varying opinions. Okay. Because we really never know. And also the fingers get pointed in this business a lot. I, I, again, I will give credit to Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell. They had an opportunity on, in front of the microphone on Tuesday and even to a degree in private to just lambaste Tom Coughlin and put everything on Tom Coughlin, whether that was right or wrong, to make them look good. And they didn't do that.
1: Oh, and and it's props to their characters as well. Because if I was especially Doug Marone, I would have been doing a roast of Tom Coughlin. For everything that he had to put me through, for all the questions that I had to answer on Tom Coughlin's behalf, man, oh, I would have got payback for sure.
0: Yeah, and you could have. You didn't see it. So, therefore, until the book comes out Mm -hmm. and somebody with with an absolute accurate documentation of what happened in that building – we'll never really know who was the heavy on a lot of these decisions. So, uh, but I think what, in in one small defense of what Shad Khan did is now he's kind of eliminated a bit of that clunky nature to making decisions. And now it's coming from the coach, the GM, both together. And if they can't communicate it or make a decision, it's going right to the top and and Shad Khan's going to help make that decision with the evidence in front of him. So, does that make their organization a little bit smoother? Uh, we will find out.
1: And to be fair, Brent here. I mean, this draft is important for a lot of reasons. Obviously, uh, you have two first-round picks, which is huge. You gave up Jalen Ramsey. Now you get the return on that. But keep in mind too how why this draft is so important. Because and I'm like I make up excuses for Dave Caldwell. I mean, if you look at his first-round track record. Not too bad, right? Jalen Ramsey, um, Josh Allen. Well, some not too bad. Well, most some. people would say Luke, not so good. Luke Jokel, Blake Bortles, I mean, it's probably 50-40. It's, so okay, it's probably l- more 60-40 to
0: 730. Okay. Okay. The, w- I would what say, say, you say. Most people think it's 90 to 10.
1: Okay. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's look at this past year. Okay. You got Josh Allen in the first round and then Jaron Taylor fell to, you, right? Uh, that one year you got Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack fell to. You. And then you got Yannick Ngakwe. I'm not saying Yannick Ngakwe fell to anybody because I think they did their due diligence and they took a risk on Ngakwe. It paid off well for him. They now,
0: absolutely did, too, because they went and visited him sure. right before the draft. They did. That was, that, that should, oh, they should get all the credit for yeah. the Ngakwe pick.
1: So with, with Miles Jack, you know, there's another risk because he had the injury concerns. Is his knee going to last? They have like three or four years before the knee blows up. But guess what? So far, so get on that end. But my point is this, Brent. You have two first round picks this year. And this could be the most important draft from the standpoint of obviously you have to improve as a team as a whole. But also, I mean, I'm not sure how the draft's going to shake out, but guys may not fall to you this time, right? Like, you're, you may not have a situation where it's like, oh, wow, this guy's falling to him. Of course it's a no-brainer. Pick the best position possible, the best player available. This may not happen this year, especially with two first-round picks. So when you're talking about evaluations, you're talking about the communication of who they're going to take, it's key because you may not get the benefit of just saying, oh, well, this guy fell to us. Let's go ahead and snake him up. Obviously, you may not have that benefit this time.
0: No, but picking in the top ten, you figure somebody that's halfway decent should could fall to you in some way, shape, or form. Maybe not the Josh Allen. I mean, that was, that was the most obvious fall. See, the Ramsey thing wasn't an obvious fall. Ramsey. Everybody knew that Ezekiel Elliott was in play along with Ramsey for the Dallas Cowboys, and the Jaguars would have been happy with like three players. By the way, one of them just named an All Pro, I think, for the first time or second teamer, and that's DeForest Buckner. Mm-hmm. Joey Bosa, we know who's been unbelievable, and Jalen Ramsey. So those three players, that those are the guys on their list that year. Picking number five, the two quarterbacks were already taken off the board. Wentz and Goff. So it was really a three-person draft with three through five, and. The thing that allowed Ramsey to get here was the fact that the Cowboys picked Ezekiel Elliott. So, therefore, the Jags then had an opportunity between Ramsey and DeForest Buckner to pick from, and they chose Ramsey. And quite frankly, I, I think at the time and what he's done and what he did in the Jags uniform, I think it was right. Well, now in hindsight, we could say, well, he should have picked DeForest Buckner. He's a sure, second-team yeah. all-pro, and he might stay and stay a friend for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little foolish to look at it like that. The the Josh Allen one was like a true fall. I mean, nobody expected Allen to be there, except for maybe, maybe me. You, uh, you, you, did pick, uh, you did pick that. Uh, you, that, that was, was, just, that was just me getting lucky. For but, sure. but anyway, uh, I that all hinged on kind of somebody jumping outside the box. That ended up being the Oakland Raiders hmm. with Farrell, right? Uh, Feral, Fer- No, uh Colin Farrell. Farrell yeah, 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 from Clemson. So they picked I think him. Colin Fer- they is it, picked, it's yeah. not Colin, whatever his name is, Farrell. But yeah. they, they picked him, <laughs> Yeah, and that was like that offset everything that everybody anticipated. Add to it, Daniel Jones goes number six with the Giants, sure. and bingo, the Jaguars uh, got a guy that actually fell to him. So sure. I don't know if we'll get a fall at number nine like that, but bottom line is, you know there's 10 or 12 really good players in this draft. Uh, and the Jaguars should have their hands available to get at least one of them with that ninth pick. I think what they might do, and this is going to be an interesting trend and we're all over the place here to start the show, but this will be an interesting thing. And I heard Dave Caldwell talk about the balance between making them good this year and giving the coaches the best opportunity to win in 2020 and and get W's for the owner and for their jobs and for the city and for the fans and all that stuff with weighing what's right for the organization. Well, when you're sitting in the 20 hole, that is a perfect spot to trade back. And, you know, that's that's where the wheeling and dealing gets done. And that's how you accumulate more and more and more picks. And that's how teams like the Ravens over the years have done it and other teams that maybe the Patriots and you trade out of there and you accumulate. So that will be an interest. I think the 20th pick will be so intriguing to see if the Jaguars even hang on to it, thinking they can get a stud and impact player with all the holes that they have. Or do they kind of take a look at the future and say, we're going to turn this Jalen Ramsey pick into even a couple more picks?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is very interesting because one could argue, well, they have to be successful this season. So you have to draft the talent that's available because you have to put a good product on the field. Because once again, I think jobs will be on the line. And from the 20th pick, yes, you could trade back a little bit, could get some more draft capital. And maybe that's the smart move to do, because think about this, Brent. That number 20 pick, I I get it. Nine, you're probably going to get the best player available or whoever. I mean, you're going to fill a need somewhere. And I'm sure people are going to be like, yeah, that's not a bad pick. That 20 pick, though, the pick that came from the Rams, the the pick that, you know, Jalen Ramsey essentially gave you when you traded him, that's a huge one. Because people are going to compare that, well, we lost Jalen Ramsey. How are we going to replace Jalen Ramsey? You know, what do we get for Jalen Ramsey? So that 20th pick, I get it. If you, if you want to trade and get some more capital, so be it.
0: But people are going to have their eyes peeled. Maybe on that one even more than the ninth pick. Well, a lot of times what will happen too in that spot, and and who really knows? You could trade completely out of the first round, but a lot of times you might even just get, hey, we're gonna get, um, we're gonna go back to number twenty six because somebody wants to come up to number twenty, mm-hmm. and we'll get the twenty six. We still get a first round guy, but we're also accumulating a third round pick or a fourth round pick. So that, that's not a bad deal either, because down the road, you, you down the road, two years from now, we say, okay, in nineteen, in twenty twenty, with that Ramsey extra pick we got player x and player y and you know what not bad then and you're right though that's what they're going to be measured on down the road how many players did you get for them? who you got for them with those three picks the first rounder the first rounder and the fourth rounder mm-hmm. uh going to be fascinating to watch of course we'll save the draft talk i'm pushing draft talk as far back as i can man i'm going <laughs> i'm stretching everything else out and get the draft board Uh, talk when we need to, uh, which we'll have so much time to do that, uh, kicking off with the Senior Bowl, and we'll probably even do it before then. When we come back, though, did Josh Lambeau get screwed? He's a second-team All-Pro. We played his sound and his reaction from the locker room Sunday on his season, and we might revisit that a little bit, but he said it. Justin Tucker might be one of the best of all time, but I had a better season. (laughs) <laughs> and uh you know what he might not be wrong but justin tucker makes the first team josh Lambo makes a second team still a very good honor for uh josh Lamble. We'll talk about that to kick off the show and so much more nfl talk uh quarterback dollars is the nfl making you look a little bit wrong on the qb situation me personally you? me Oh, well, let's get into that then for sure. Don't call, don't call me out. We will with, a little bit later it's w- not without me. a little response. The NFL is calling you out. Oh, I think. okay. We'll see.
1: We'll I'll fight that. everybody,
0: Brent. All right. <laughs> uh, all that and more on the way. ESPN six ninety. Join the conversation. Star star six ninety.
1: Couldn't have done it without without Maddie and and without Logan and and the other guys blocking for me. So, you know, I'm super super pleased with the season. You know, there's missed one too many. Um, you also know, hopefully the uh, the media will realize that all pro isn't a fan vote, and hopefully I'll get some recognition. So, I mean, obviously Justin Tucker is he's the best there is, but not this season. So,
0: <laughs> I love Josh Lambo's comments this uh, last week. Again, this was Sunday. I caught up with him in the locker room. He was fantastic. I, I actually wanted to keep going. We had so many guys to catch up to, and I told you this story yesterday on the show. Josh Lambeau said he found something. He told, like, the assistant special teams coach in San Diego. It was when it was San Diego, not L.A. And just right before he got cut, he was in a warm-up session or or on practice field. I forget which one he referred to. I think it was a warm-up session, like, before a game. And he's like, I found something. Hmm. And he's like, I fixed it. I've got it. And, well, they didn't think so or enough, and they let him go. He ends up in Jacksonville, and he's missed four kicks. Since he left in the last couple of years, I mean really impressive he missed two kicks this year, one field goal, one extra point, and he makes it to the second team all pro team and something that probably won't sit well with him because like he said, Justin Tech Tucker is the best uh in the game right now is the way he said it too, and he's right he isn't the be- he 's got the best resume of anybody in the game right now adam and is the best of all time and and I mean he has to be and uh but he wasn't the best all year and and I think uh, Josh has a point. I think I would I would vouch for Josh here. Uh I did look at the numbers today and I don't think they're that I don't think uh to say Tucker didn't earn all pro first team would be lying. Mm-hmm. He kicked like fifty nine extra points, and I think he missed one or two. So Justin Tucker was fifty seven for fifty
1: nine on extra points. Josh Lambo was nineteen for twenty.
0: Yeah, so uh, that's more well, of a team thing. Obviously. Yeah, yeah,
1: obviously but that begs the question: how much stake do you put into extra points?
0: Well, these days though, missing one or two is pretty good, you know, especially mm-hmm. since the guy here that everybody wanted to run out of town and eventually did, Jason Myers, couldn't hit it. Mm-hmm. Seemed like he missed every every third time. So and then on top of that, I think they both missed one field goal, or did uh, Tucker miss two? Uh, and then actually, Josh made more field goals. He did, correct?
1: Um, I don't think. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Justin Tucker missed one field goal from 40, from 49. But that was like the the yardage. Okay. And Lambo missed, I think, one as well, right from. The forty to forty nine range, so yeah. they're actually very similar in that area. I mean, where Lambo has him beat, it was Lambo was forty; he was four for four from fifty plus. Justin Tucker, one for one from fifty plus.
0: Yeah, and and I think this comes down. This isn't a again, this isn't Jacksonville small market that Josh Lambo finishes second team All Pro. If if it was Jacksonville small market, he wouldn't even have made the second team. Mm-hmm. This is more the Ravens were so good, and. He kicked 30 more extra points. And and not that it's even the extra point. I just think it's not even about the numbers. Their numbers are about equal. They both missed, what, a couple of kicks. Sure. I think it's just the fact that at least when you have a team that's the number one seed, you feel like anything going right is helping that team win games. Josh Lambeau helped the Jags. No, he helped the Jags be in games, probably helped them win more games as well. But he won one game at the end. That was the Denver game. And just wasn't given enough opportunities. That's not nothing. Uh, Josh can't do anything about that. Not as all I'm just mm-hmm. saying that I think the team is the separator here. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that shouldn't be the case. Like it, if you flip the situation and this was 2017 and, and Lambeau has Tucker's numbers and Tucker has Lambeau's numbers. Well, I would said, look at what I would use the 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 reasoning of, hey, look how good the Jags were. Mm-hmm. Look what he helped you do. He should be the first team guy as a separator. So again I would have loved to see jo- Josh uh, would have earned that as well if he was named first team but I can't sit here and honestly tell you that while wow, they screwed it up this was an off how did they 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 screwed Josh Lambeau here uh Tucker didn't deserve it at all I-, I I can't sit here and say that
1: No without a doubt I mean I don't know how much records
0: got to play with this but obviously
1: if they're even Brent which I mean you look at their numbers are pretty much even um From the standpoint of Josh Lambeau kicked a few longer balls this year, but from from the extra point standpoint, I mean, obviously he had 30 more kicks from Justin Tucker. So if they're very comparable, then yeah, usually you're going to go with a guy who has the team that's the number one seed right now in the AFC. So you can make arguments for both sides. This is kind of like the Josh Allen-Bosa effect, right? Like very comparable guys, but we're talking about you know Bosa running away with it just because the
0: team's having so much success. That's a great comparison. Yeah. I think I think it's right on the money with the comparison. I also think Bosa probably played a heck of a lot more snaps. So really, if you think of how, um, like if you wanted to spin it Jacksonville's way, well, I think Josh Allen was maybe more productive percentage-wise in his snaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bosa played significantly more snaps is my guess. I don't even have it in front of me, but it's my guess. And obviously their team did well. So mm-hmm. that's a great example. I think it is uh, pretty similar in that regard. For defensive uh, rookie of the year what's what's fascinating about those two conversations and how much they're alike is that I really don't believe Gardner Minshew is going to factor into offensive rookie of the year very well I just don't believe it I don't think there's momentum I'm not saying he shouldn't he should mm. but I just don't I think it's going to be Kyler Murray and Josh Jacobs at least and maybe even an AJ Brown ahead of Gardner Minshew that's my feeling yeah. I think it is I'm not saying it's right I said I think that's what's going to happen and Outside of the Tennessee A.J. Brown part, you can't take the wins into consideration from a, well, he helped our team get to the playoffs with those other guys. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be fascinated to see how that kind of shakes itself out uh, because Kyler Murray had five wins, same boat as as uh, Gardner Minshew. And Josh Jacobs missed some games late. They only ended up with seven wins, didn't make the playoffs. Again, A.J. Brown... If I'm in Nashville or if I'm a Titans fan, I think I could make a big case for him. If you look at some of his numbers, I think he had 1,000 yards and he averaged 20 yards a catch. Mm-hmm. And he really came on strong in the second half of the year and helped their team. He helped make their team dynamic. I mean, he noticeably helped their team become dynamic. And now they're in the playoffs because of it. Listen, uh, see, you sit there
1: and say that Minshew's not going to get the the credibility that he deserves for the rookie of the well, year. What do you think he is? To me, the, the, number one, the number's fine, but the accolades are Brent. The, the, the guy's won Pepsi Player of the Week seven times as a rookie. Now, unless the people at Pepsi are smoking something, I think that has a little credibility to do with it. If, if there's 16 games in the season and almost half of the season Gardner Minshew has won Rookie
0: of the Week, That to me that means something. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know the makeup of every award, but you know how they do the, like the FedEx ground game? Yeah, yeah. That guy doesn't often. If, if you win it six times, you're not necessarily up for the off, uh, up for the MVP of the league. You know it doesn't go hand in hand. Is my point. I think. Sure, those, but I th- think that's this a sponsor is the rookie thing. of the week, though. I, listen, I, I'm not. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be. Yeah. I'm just getting you ready for the fact that I think Gardner Minshew should either be offensive rookie of the year, or be one of two guys probably mentioned as offensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's going to be that. I think he's going to come in like fourth or fifth as the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Just yeah. getting everybody ready for it. I, I think he is. And, and to me, it doesn't make sense. So I'm not arguing against your point. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying get ready for it. Yeah. I, and and the SI thing, I, that was like a nine-person panel media thing, and he wasn't even listed. I'm not taking that even into consideration. I yeah. mean, that was ridiculous in itself. You're not no. watching the NFL if that's the case.
1: It's interesting because right now I'm on the NFL.com voting Pepsi of the – I'm sorry, Pepsi Rookie of the Year nominees. Okay. okay what do this, you is, got? this is from the same group that voted Gardner Minshew seven times as rookie of the week. Pepsi rookie of the year nominees: Nick Bosa, AJ Brown, Josh Jacobs, Kyler Murray, Miles Sanders. Minshew's not even on the list. He's not vote. even on the list. He's not even on the list when they voted for him for player of the week seven times. How does that work?
0: I don't know. But that's my point.
1: Yeah, I mean... But you you just answered my point. Well, yeah, I mean, you absolutely called it. Get ready for
0: it. I don't... Okay. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm a little... Listen, I just put up the numbers. We did it this all week. I mean, we put up the numbers of of Gardner Minshew with the quarterbacks in the NFL, of rookie quarterbacks, all of them taken before him, and he has better numbers, more wins, less interceptions, all those stats... You know, he doesn't have, I mean, even Kylo Murray, let's just take Kylo Murray. Kylo Murray did a, the the fact that he, I think, passed for 3,500 and ran for 500 is a thing that only Cam Newton did, I want to say. I think so, yeah. I think yeah, Cam yeah. Newton's the only other guy to do that. So, uh, but he does it in 16 games. Mm-hmm. Minshew probably accounted for a couple hundred yards rushing. So he probably in 12 games had 3,500 yards, had just as many touchdowns, had less interceptions, and he had more wins. And he had four less games than Kylo Mori to do it. Yeah. Like if you look at the numbers. And Kyla Murray, by the way, there was nothing on the eye test that said, oh, my gosh, this guy's changing the game, kind of like people anticipate. Like, there was nothing that jumped out like, oh, wow, watch out. Are you scared of Arizona? Well, going yeah, into 2020,
1: This was a situation where it was like, oh, Chip Kelly comes in the league and it's like, man, how are we going to stop this high-powered That's offense? That's right. Or even, even Lamar close. Jackson,
0: what he's doing if this yeah. was his rookie year, right? Correct. Or Patrick Mahomes. It's cool. nothing like that. Nobody's talking about Kyla Murray in that sense. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he even has, like, this wave in the narrative. Now, Bosa actually has carried that narrative with him more than anything. Any other rookie player this year, yeah. and that's why I think he's up for this thing. Uh, but even Josh Allen, why not? Why isn't Josh Allen on that list then? If it's an overall rookie of the year type deal. So anyway, <laughs> I, I'm just getting you ready for it, Jacksonville. It's not gonna that yeah. is a, that might be a Jacksonville thing. I
1: like, wish you wouldn't have told me that because I'm just I'm super annoyed. I mean, like I don't know, man. I, like I said, I don't know how you can vote a guy. Rookie of the Week seven times and yeah. not even nominate him. But here we have Miles Sanders and I get it. Miles Sanders had a fantastic season. A big part of why the Eagles are in the playoffs right now is because of Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders nominated Rookie of the Week, goose egg.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I I don't either. And listen, I guess it's a little what what I do want to characterize like some of these Pepsi rookie, the sponsored Rookie of the Week things. The the, the some of those kind of awards at FedEx Ground game. Yeah. I just don't think that even correlates like well, yeah i don't i understand what we're saying he's won it seven times i just don't think it's like well he's got seven stars next to his name so you got to slide him up that's on the point li- i I just think it's totally different in terms of how they vote on this stuff sure um but on its own thing you would think gardner would be at least on the list <laughs> well and, and
1: let me ask you this and this sounds like a a crazy question but i think it warrants asking now I mean, is this whole Pepsi rookie of the Year week thing kind of just like a popularity thing where it's like, you know what, Minshew, he's got the crowd behind him right now. He's got the country behind him. Let's go ahead and amp him up a little bit. And let's make Pepsi look good. I mean, is this a kind of a political um, kind of backhanded award here to try to get people more popular?
0: I think some of these things are that way. Okay. You know, I I do think uh, I wouldn't even be surprised behind the scenes if teams and agents and all those other things, you know, and you go with Jersey sales. Listen, it's Pepsi's trying to get notoriety. Sure. Yeah. So if uh, read me the names of those guys again. Nick Bosa, A.J. Brown, Josh Jacobs, Kyler Murray, Miles Sanders. All right. So it didn't really live up to what I thought it was going to be. But you wouldn't have thought Miles Sanders would be on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Bosa makes sense. Who's the second one you said? A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown. And I think he makes sense, but you're not even sure. Well, three of those guys are in the postseason. That's what I was going to think. I was like, okay, well, maybe because they're in the postseason, Pepsi wants a little bit more notoriety for it, right? Get the branding out there even more. Sure. So they're going to put postseason guys in. Well, that's not true with Kyla Murray and Josh Jacobs, so I guess that theory doesn't work. But anyway, awards are silly. They are. Uh, And and they seem to mean more and more to players, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, real, like, I've never seen, now this might be a social media thing, but, or maybe just guys are, oh, this no, goes it's back not a to branding and, and savvy, yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of what they could be someday, but they know they have to get these, act, like, Fred Taylor is not a finalist for the Hall of Fame this year, mm-hmm. and one of the big knocks against Fred Taylor is the fact that he made one Pro Bowl.
1: Because he played in a generation with studs at the running
0: back position, yeah. But again, that's not what like. But I no think, one cares. I get I it. I think today's player understands that it doesn't matter. Like even if I'm an alternate and get into the Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. that's a big deal because down the road, if I feel like I'm going to be a Hall of Fame player or whatever, how you look back and, and be a legacy player, well, part of my legacy is going to say five Pro Bowls. Like you know, David Garrard for the rest of his life will tell his kids and grandkids and everything that he made the Pro Bowl. You know what? They're not going to come back and ask. Wow, Grandpa, like, were you the seventh alternate to make? <laughs> no, no. They're,
1: they're not something with Montel Owens. They're not going to be like, wow, were you taken for your special teams player? You're like your running back. No, it doesn't matter. I was a Pro Bowl. I Pro guess Bowl. I scored a touchdown in the Pro Bowl. But
0: if you, and and I, we love David, uh, yeah. but I mean, DG knows this. I mean, he, I think he was like the seventh alternate that year. Guys got hurt. Quarterbacks yeah. got hurt, and all this stuff. And you know what? More power to him, man. Well, make the make the Pro Bowl, enjoy the Pro Bowl, and and that's exactly what he did. And you and that's awesome. Go tell the grandkids about it someday, and and hopefully they don't care about the alternates. <laughs> and, and and you
1: mentioned the Pro Bowl, Brent, and of course from from a, from a fame purpose, right? Like it gets your name out there. It's fantastic for branding. Another side of that coin, though, is the Pro Bowl and like the the AP player that whatever like all these accolades mention. They're good for contracts because there's there's either incentives built in the contract or if you're trying to negotiate another contract, you know, like Yannick Ngakwe right now. If Yannick Ngakwe would have made the Pro Bowl, he would have dangled that in front of the Jaguars organization till he got paid, right? Like, sure, it could be a popularity contest. Sure, maybe sometimes guys get snubbed not the best guys go to the Pro Bowl. But at the end of the day, it's a... It's a world-renowned thing, right? So when you're working that new contract, you'd be like, "Well, listen, I've been in the Pro Bowl three times, sir. I'm, I'm the three-time Pro Bowler. Doesn't
0: matter how I got there; I got there. So pay me if you like it, you know." Well, it's a good point on a couple of different notes too. One is sometimes there's escalators Mm -hmm. in a contract that if you hit a Pro Bowl, all pro, one of those things, so it does become a big thing. And I don't know how each and every guy's contract works, but maybe some of that would have happened with like a, a Josh Allen or or even a Minshew or one of those kind of guys. I don't think so, but could. The other thing is you're right about that when you say the player would hold it and say, hey, look, I made a Pro Bowl. But I've also heard recently, too, that the team will make it surely known that, well, why didn't you make the Pro Bowl?
1: Ah, so it's a catch twenty-two. So either, either it's in your favor, or they can use it against you.
0: Well, it could be like yeah. you, you want to be paid like for, in the Yannick situation. Sure, you want to be paid like Khalil Mack and so and so. Well, in the last five years, they've made four Pro Bowls. You've made one. Mm. So tell us why you should we should pay you that way. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. So it that's, works both that's ways. That's a good point. So that's why – and I guess everybody understands that now, right? There's a more of an understanding, at least it feels like, for the player. I mean the players are now – Leonard Fournette was pushing people with his social media presence, vote for me, vote for me. That fan vote counts, yep. right? All these guys would do that. I mean, heck, even if we're up for an award in Folio, whatever, I'm not sitting there saying, "Hey, vote for us, vote for us, vote for us." Because, quite frankly, as well, we love you, Folio, it doesn't. Like, I'm not getting a hundred thousand more dollars if I I win. Yeah, it doesn't matter in that sense. Yeah. Now, but it might matter to guys like Fournette and those guys on their resume. To your it's point, it's the same
1: thing for me too.
0: Like, I didn't have it when I signed my contract here
1: with Cox Media, where if I got, and I'm just naming Folio. I'm sure there's a lot of them out there, but you know, if I got sports radio. Host whatever of the year from Foil Weekly, I get an extra incentive bonus. Now, if I would have, man, if I got like a free like cheeseburger out of it, I would have, <laughs> I, I would have been pushing that thing as hard as I could. But guess what? No incentives for me. Maybe I missed out on a pretty sweet trophy. But besides that, no incentives for me. So I didn't really care because I felt like. It kind of cheapens it, right? Like, if I'm pushing people, pushing people, say, hey, come on, go vote for me. I,
0: I, I just, it kind of cheapens it. it right? But yeah. the players have no shame in doing that, is my much. They point. don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's, it's a good point. And, yeah. and I find that interesting because you're right. Like, I'm not sitting there pushing out, say, hey, yeah, vote for our radio show in the afternoon. Yeah. I mean, you could, but yeah. I'm not. Exactly. And but Leonard Fournette and Lambeau and all those other guys, they're not afraid to do it. Sure. It means something. But, again, there's a lot of dollars on the line, so it's almost worth – and of it's course. part of the brand. They understand the brand more than ever before. And, by the way, Coos, next year, like, maybe I will work that into our I like next that. deal or oh, something. We'll pump that all day, Brent. And especially, like, I want an extra escalator, like, if I get named twice – that's Remember? Well, that's what happened. Oh, yeah. Remember, like, it was the Brent Martineau show and Action Sports Show. Yeah. It's, like, in the same category. Yeah, exactly. So, like, did I steal votes for myself? shouldn't well, dude, should, uh, should we do? I didn't
1: know, like, you, you know, like, like, a side radio show that you were doing, too. I'm like, well, I guess he's got some other stuff Let's going say, on. I'd like
2: to take this moment to say, if you guys have a chance to vote for my night show, so that it goes mm. <laughs> <laughs> Get
0: it in there, Coos. There you go. Get it in there. Uh, thank you very much, Fulio Weekly, although I don't think we won. I don't think we
1: won either. Uh, I, I don't no, because I, I would have got something a, in the either. mail. My yeah
2: worker down the hall definitely won and he made sure to show everybody that oh, a little time yeah <laughs>
1: Well, I, hey, I know some people that work there too. I should. Yeah, well, don't worry about. It. Hey, Brett, next Stop year. The hey, box, Brett. I'm just saying, next year I'll take care of it. All right, All right? very good. I'll take care of it next uh. year. <laughs>
2: they're gonna, they're gonna reference this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe, no, maybe we should invite them to our party. Now we're talking, little. Hey, Folio Sweet and the deal a little come bit. come on out to the party. Sweet, Sweet January 17th, two yeah. weeks from today, our one year
1: anniversary He's party. Come coming out,
0: with us a little bit. Come on, yeah, hey, come can hang can out with bribe us. Drive them a little bit. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. We can't do that with ratings people, but maybe with Folio Weekly, we Now we're talking. (laughs) All right, when we come back, uh, CEO of a college football team. That's what you envision Dabble Swinney and Nick Saban and all the rest as, right? Absolutely. Well, why don't we view head coaches in the NFL that way? Or do we? It's coming up next on ESPN 690.
1: Because I know who Jack is. I I know who he is as a player. We competed against each other collegiately and professionally, and I've got tremendous respect for who he's been. He's been a very successful coach in this league. Uh, he's had opportunities in this league, and he's succeeded in this league. The thing about Jack that, that I really, truly do will appreciate having him on the staff, too, is one of the things that I've, I tell young coaches is that the one thing you have to have on your staff is a guy that's been there. Like a little saying, don't draw me a map unless you've been there. Well, Jack's been there. And Jack and I had this conversation earlier today, and I told Jack, if you see something wrong, you see something that we need to think about, please tell me, because that's the only way I'm going to
0: know. Going to make Oklahoma drills great again, baby. <laughs> Jack Del Rio's back. I got to see now. I thought Jack, we would get him on for our one-year party. Yeah. And now I'm not so sure he will. He'll be busy and in the weeds a little bit. He's got 10 minutes for us, doesn't uh, he? Know. We'll see. Okay. I don't know. You know It probably won't be calling out any more Blaine Gabbert things
1: (laughs) now that he's with the Redskins. Yeah, I feel like that was kind of a one-and-done type scenario.
0: I will say this, by the way, just uh, seriously to promote our one-year party, and the reason why we promote it is because you can be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, ESPN690.com, the place to go. Uh, Thanks to Jumpin' Jack's House of Food, who, by the way, opened up a third location today downtown. Very cool. Uh, Go say hello to those folks. Try it out. Awesome food. Awesome people, too. My man, Howdy, he is fantastic, and we appreciate him jumping on board to help us out with our one your party there'll be food from jumping jack's house of food we'll have other vendors as well uh including uh how about a little popcorn yeah a little kettle, kettle popcorn corn? well yeah, then, front porch kettle corn I'm gonna be honest i'm not a big kettle corn guy don't put sugar in my popcorn don't do it okay this is not good timing on your part well uh, hey, you talking about <laughs> what I mean, my bad. It's not bad. I mean, it's, it's decent. You know
1: what? Actually, when I mentioned it. I like it. <laughs> I'm all in. It's okay. You know, Every, so, it,
0: it, you I, see, it doesn't matter because like everybody else pickles. Everybody so, else does like it. Okay, there you go. Oh, Fan fantastic. torch, fantastic. kettle corn. that will be pad. here as well. Popcorn for everybody. What? Were they at uh,
2: the golf tournament? They were. Oh, yeah. Definitely right? need to take like five bags of those. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That so, was good. So, nice uh, save, Coos.
0: Uh, was... See? No, nah, very good save. They yeah, were yeah. at the golf uh, Sorry. tournament. Sorry. I'm By so way, new to this radio thing. Just got in from uh, Palm Beach autographs. We will give away in some way, shape, or form Gardner Minshew mm-hmm. uh signed jersey. Nice. How about that? Nice. So, so anyway, we're, the party's coming together. They are. And yep. uh we want you to be a part of it. And here's how you can register to win. You got to go to ESPN690.com. Of course, you can listen daily on the stream on ESPN690.com, but go register and be a part of our party. We're going to limit the amount of guests that we have. We'll also be giving away some tickets on the location uh the week of the party. We're going to go to a couple of different spots, but uh food, fun, be a part of the show, a, a live audience, and uh, we'll have some giveaways as well. Everybody that gets to the party will, will go home with something. Well, if it's free, take it. That's what Mr. Chin told me in eighth grade. <laughs> I like it. And you can probably, you can bring kids too, right? Because there will be mascots
1: there to take pictures with, I assume. There will be
0: mascots as so, well. So
1: bring your kids, I think, or well, not. Is if that they I have, have a that? ticket.
0: Okay, got you. I, I don't
1: know. I, <laughs> hey, I'm trying to get kids involved, bro. I'm trying to help I out. Know.
0: I listen, I have no idea if we're gonna have kids or not. Sure. I, I don't know. know. I think they like the mascots. Just let just them know. get into the Vita de Luis Tequila. I don't know. <laughs> really a pushover.
2: If a kid walks up to the door and is trying to get in, doesn't have a ticket and ask me, I'm probably gonna let Sorry. him in.
0: <laughs> right now right now we got about five bosses running down the hallways being like, No, no, no kids stop talking about the party. Put, 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 Party's put, off. Don't bring mascots to things.
1: you don't want kids there, dude. It goes hand in hand. real quick though, was the strip mascot people, gonna be there? Yeah, big people like kids. Uh, Mascots. Everyone loves mascots. The the shrimp mascot will be there, though. Yeah. Okay, then my son's not coming because he's absolutely petrified of that shrimp guy. Really? Yeah, Scampy. Oh, like nightmares, man.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. He's he's afraid. I don't know the shrimp mascot. Yeah, yeah. You know, know, some people are like genuinely afraid of mascots. Really? Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a phobia. Yeah, like I, um, one of my buddies used to work with us, Mm -hmm. had a girlfriend at the time. Okay. Uh, No longer, so I could probably talk bad about her if I wanted to. But. (laughs) They, Classy. Uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. She's very nice. But she was, like, petrified of mascots. Huh. I'd never heard of it. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that was, like, a phobia. I mean, was there an incident? I don't think so. Okay. But, but like, hey, it, it does make sense to a degree, right? Aren't a lot of people afraid of clowns? Hey, yeah. I've told yeah. the story you with are. the
1: Ronald McDonald house, yeah, where they, they made Ronald, like, come up behind me and say, what's up? And it freaked me out.
0: But, like, was that after, like, watching some horror movie or something? Or no, is it just, like, man, it just, just born into I think it was kind of ingrained in me. Like, like, frankly, you're not allowed to be afraid of anything when you look like this. Yeah, man, but clowns, I just. Six foot six, 245 pounds, tatted up with a beard and dreads, <laughs> and you're afraid of a clown? I, I just don't mess with clowns,
1: man. <laughs> and the ocean, yeah. Being in the middle of the By ocean. By the way, too. did
0: you think,
2: what's like the scientific term for being scared of mascots? If you had to guess what it would be called?
1: Uh. So no way! This
0: is gonna um, be so off the radar, man.
2: It's
1: really pseudophobia.
0: not. Pseudophobia, mascotophobia, pseudophobia, masclophobia, masclophobia. Uh, it was really close. Uh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Well, yeah. what are you
1: afraid of, Brent? Real quick, so I can make fun of you down the road. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw my personal stuff out here with clowns in the ocean and not get something back in return. So you give me some ammo. You have to give me some ammo now.
0: I really don't have a fear of oh, oh, well, a no, badass. I, I, no, I'm not saying I don't have a fear of, like, that kind of stuff. Like, a, like I'm not afraid of the ocean. Sure. Uh, I don't swim a lot in the ocean, but I'm not afraid of the ocean. Okay. I'm not afraid of, like, boats or heights. Sure. Um, for a long time, like, I did not, like, I don't like going on roller coasters. Okay. But, like, I go on them now. I suck it up and go on them. Yeah. Um, I just don't like get a joy. Do you feel like, kind of like, woozy though after the roller coasters? Like, like What's like, it If it's a nasty one, like it's yeah. a bad one. But I'm telling you, this like this might be like either the best and worst quality of my life. Yeah. Like, we go to Disney a couple weeks ago, and we went to that uh, what do they call it? The very merry Mickey's whatever Christmas party or okay, something. The sure. parade. Yeah, you know. You've never even been. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Which is hard. I, I should have got you that for Christmas. <laughs> Take your own. In. But yeah. uh, but anyway, so we go now. We've been to Space Mountain in the Magic Kingdom yeah. some 30 times. Okay. Maybe more. Okay. And Steph, every time she goes on like Space Mountain or another road, it's like the first time she's ever gone on it. She's that
1: excited. Oh, she loves it. Love it. That's awesome. I mean, like, it is, like, awesome. it is
0: the greatest thing going on for forever. Heck yeah, man. She likes to have a good time. Nothing wrong with that. No, I mean, like Everyone I said, it's, it's, a, th- it's a very nice quality. Everyone's got to get them a staff man. It's a very that nice quality great. unless you're her husband and you have to go on it three <laughs> and four times, and it's like this is the first time we've ever done this before. <laughs> Steph is like Steph is like crazy when it comes to the the amusement parks. Yeah, she is the one, and I don't know if everybody has this person or not in their life. Yeah, but you've all been with the person that gets the map at the front. Oh, and you got to hit every freaking spot on that map. It's a chore at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. she, she's like she's got the you don't the go marker with the flow, Like
1: you're going here, you're going here. Oh yeah. Ooh, that's exhausting though, huh? Oh, exhausting. Ooh, yeah, it's not my style.
0: <laughs> but she would do that even if we had like season passes. <laughs> Like, I'm like, what are we doing? I think it was probably the only good thing about season passes I think I eventually talked her into. I was like, Steph, if we just do like eight things today, sure. we can come back in two months and do them again. Of course. Dang. Look at Steph. All both of them, I, I I never would have guessed that about uh, her. Yeah. That's cool. She um She kind of helped make me hate Disney for a little bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, they, well Was that your phobia for a while? I was going back to Disney all the time. <laughs> going back to Disney. Disney <laughs> yeah. maps
0: just scare them. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, she loves the roller coaster. But I can't get on that. Yeah. Uh, and my kids are pretty good about. it. They like it. Like they'll go on them. Sure. But like I used to be scared of them. Like okay. genuinely, like I would not go. Like I'd be the yeah. guy. You know, when you're in, like uh, sixth grade or something, and you go on that field trip with the, of I'd course, be the person man. with the teacher waiting outside. I would not go. <laughs> I would not go. No, that's how Nicole is. Like that was the worst place to go to me as an amusement park. Like I oh, had zero dude. fun going. As a kid,
1: I had it made because like pretty much out of the womb, I was tall enough to go on roller coasters because I was so tall. So like I was like four or five years old, man, going on the big boy roller coasters,
0: dude. I killed it. That's, a, that's impressive.
1: It.
2: You like them, Coos? I I love roller coasters. Nicole does not. So when we first started dating, I I I think it was in the still she was trying to impress me stage, and I asked her to go on the Tower of Terror. Um and we literally got in, like, buckled in, and she turns to me and goes, I'm terrified of these things. I want to get off. And I'm like, yo, too late. we She's are oh, You are buckled and in. That's like- a ride or die right there
0: for you, though, Kuz. That's awesome. I will say, there was one time I was uh, I, I was on the swim team when I was a kid. I'll okay. never forget this one. John Shea was with me <laughs> back in Rhode Island, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're at a place called Rocky Point, and Rocky Point's like this now. I mean, now that you've been to big amusement parks, yeah. like Rocky Point is like, a shell of an sure. amusement park, okay, sure, sure, it's a sure. small place, and uh, in, in Warwick, Rhode Island, right near the airport, and uh, so, but as like a six, seven, eight-year-old kid, whatever I was at the time, it's yeah. like this huge, massive place, yeah. and they have like the spider ride, where it's one of those rides, probably like 10 or 12 of them, and it's really one you'd see now at a carnival, yeah. where it kind of just goes like, you know, in a circle, but like kind of up and down. Yeah i lit. i was asking like i was with john shale never forget it yeah and uh i was asking him to stop the ride
2: don't <laughs> <laughs> stop stop <laughs> i i would have mine would have been more those circle ones like that like i get sick like like the tea even the teacups yeah. yeah. like cups. just oh i get so sick
1: this is a fantastic conversation brother. You, like so, you, you still have an answer what you're afraid of
0: no because i can't really find i'm trying
1: Unbelievable.
0: to find I sort of got like, a like. What else are people afraid of that I, that would spiders, ring a bell? Snakes, animals, yeah, some kind of animal. Yeah, I would say snake. I would say it's like I'm not a I'm not snake. going in. Well, oh, yeah, you're not a fan,
1: but you don't like petrify when you see them. Like you don't like shake up and no. get clammy. No. Dang.
0: Like I would if I if I something. had like a snake person in yeah. here that said it was okay and like a boa constrictor wasn't going to like kill me. Sure. Uh, then put it on my shoulders. Yeah, so, like, yeah, I would do it. Okay. Well. I have done a lot like for, of stuff that I would not normally well, do for, uh, for TV. For TV for sure. Like I, I heights. Yeah, like I scaled do down mean? for the Boy Scouts. You I scaled won the down aeropl- the building. Even the the fighter jet for. The I Boy did Angels. the fighter jet thing. I did the blimp. Yeah, like I wouldn't normally sign up for that stuff, but I just figure, hey, if it's for TV and I die doing it, at least it got caught on <laughs> the camera. The ratings will be great. <laughs> A true professional, even when he gets put in the
1: grave, he's still a true professional. Well, I guess for like next Christmas time, I got to get you like a, I'm gonna get you a gift certificate for a therapist, and then they're gonna get like, hey, what's your deepest fear? And you're gonna tell them, and I'm gonna be behind him the whole. It's not gonna be a real therapist. It's gonna be a fake therapist. That'd be good. It's gonna be a fake gift certificate, and I'm gonna pop up behind the therapist and be like,
0: "Gotcha." Yeah, I'd, now I'd I know love what you're afraid to know of. What the, I'd i got to keep digging. I guess. Give me, like, uh, the top ten list of of fears. Okay. Goose. Like, I I will say this. Like, I'm not a huge horror movie guy. Like, I don't go see a horror movie. Sure. But I'm not afraid of, like, going to a horror movie. See, I'm
1: the same way. Like, when we had CM Punk on the show, he's like, you got to watch the movie. I'm like, well, I could, but, like, I don't like stressing out. Like, I'd rather watch a movie and be entertained. I don't want my blood pressure to go up to, like, 150. I'd rather just be chill
0: and relax. I try to tell you guys each and every day on this show, I'm much tougher than it looks. I ain't afraid of anything We're going to get to the bottom Not of that Not like track. Sam Darnold. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we talk football. CEOs in the NFL versus college. Why don't we see it more in the NFL, or do we? Next on ESPN 6 Night.
2: Deshaun that the, the mass takes out to the offense. That was something different. Just telling guys, you know, let's be great uh, before practice. So, um, you know, that was something that was different. Um, I wasn't here for J.J.'s uh, speech after practice. so I missed that part. But yeah, that's good though. He said guys are preaching about uh being focused. That's good. You need that they're in the playoffs, I'm sure.
0: Carlos side sounded a little sleepy. Yeah. Once said he slept through a Jaguars all access appearance. <laughs> You, you guys still beefing a little bit, huh? Ah, really. I mean, I don't care. Yeah. I just, that's, no, I that's my one chance to take a shot at somebody a hey. little bit, I guess. So. If, if you miss 100% of the shots, you don't take a So <laughs> proud of you, man. Uh, it never bothered me at all, but yeah. um, that's what he said. So, anyway, uh, Carlos Hyde, what a fascinating, you know, you. I think it's interesting. Two things he just said. One jumps out at me is guys that leave Jacksonville or a place. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's Cleveland. Maybe it's War. Maybe it's anyone that misses the playoffs. It doesn't have to be like this organization that had not had a ton of success. But maybe, like this year, it's the Rams, right? So somebody at the beginning of the year goes away from the Rams team. And you're like, man, we were this close to the Super Bowl. This is a good team. We Mm -hmm. think we're going back. This is just the start of something. And they leave and say they end up in Tennessee. And Tennessee, at the beginning of the year, they're losing to the Jags. They don't look very good. And then all of a sudden, here we are in January, and they're going to the playoffs. And a lot of people think they can beat New England mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So you, you take that guy, and Carlos Hyde kind of is that guy, right? He he went out of here with a nasty exit, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he was a good dude in Jacksonville last year. I really don't. I, I think right. it was it was a bad fit. Uh, there's been different theories on why. I don't know if he's a bad guy overall. I just think he didn't like the role he was playing, and sometimes guys are better – they want to be the featured guy, and if they're not going to be the featured guy, then they don't really – well, they don't really take to the other part of that very well. And I think he's one of those guys.
1: Well, and to be fair, that's why he didn't work out in Cleveland either, was it? Because he didn't want to take a backseat to Duke Johnson yep. or anybody else. So, yeah. yeah, so
0: he hasn't worked out in places like that. Well, now he goes and has a nice season. Here he is in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's fascinating to me how that part of it works and, and how unpredictable it is even from a player. Mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and that was part of my sit-down this week with uh, Calais Campbell. And he said, hey... I made the right decision because I was right about the football team. When I came in 2017, I saw the talent. I did my homework. I was like, they've got a talented group. They've got a scheme where I can fit in and, and I can excel in. And he was right about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, they went to the 17 championship, uh AFC championship. They did have talent. He did work. He had his best year, maybe. So he fit into the scheme well. He was right about all those things. What he didn't see coming is he thought this was the start of three or four years in a row, and it ended up being just one year. Sure. Um, but fascinating how guys make decisions where they end up and how it ends up turning out at the end of the day. But, I mean, we all have that in life. No, we do. And it's funny you mention that because I think we've talked
1: about it before on the show a little bit. But we talk about the Eagles, Brent. You talk about Shorts running that defense, you know, and, and they're running that, that crash nine, that wide nine technique that I kind of broke down a few days ago. Well, guys, especially defensive ends, love playing in that. So when it came time for like a guy like Michael Bennett, you know, to, to get a new deal, he, he chose to go to Philly. You know, like there is something to be said for about the schemes that they run, right? Where it, and this is the crazy thing with the, the Panthers we talked about with Gerald McCoy. You know, Gerald McCoy still got a lot of football left ahead of him, and in Tampa Bay he was kind of that cornerstone. He was kind of the pillar of that defense. He opted to go to Carolina and play in a three-four defense where traditionally, if you play that you know that big-end technique, you don't get a lot of love. Right now, maybe Chris Jones from the Chiefs is changing that perception a little bit, but usually the way it goes is you don't get a lot of love playing a 3-4 defensive end. I should know I got zero love playing Kansas City myself. But from that perspective, though, Brent, guys do look at the schemes a little bit. Guys do talk to the coordinators, and, and they try to make the best fit not only for their playing style, but also where they can get the most numbers because the most numbers means more money coming forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other thought about the playoffs, what Hyde said, it, it must be cool, you know, as a coach or maybe as team leaders where you see a team, again, I always say the dynamic of 53 men in the locker room is, is about as crazy as you can get uh, in sports. And But when you get to this time of year and you know you've made the playoffs, you don't have to ask a guy to do anything. He's on time for a meeting. He's staying extra to watch film. He's as focused as he's ever going to be in a practice. He's eating right. He's getting his body right. Like all those things that you're begging for people to do, like half the time probably. Yeah. And and young guys are like, ah, don't worry, I got this. So old guys are like, I don't really want to do this anymore. <laughs> they all want to do it now because you know you're close. It's so hard to make the playoffs in the NFL, so hard to win a Super Bowl, and now you might be two or three wins from going to that big game. And I don't. It doesn't matter how much you're getting paid at that point. Nothing. So I think uh, I think that must be cool uh, in that sense. Where, and, and you, I almost sense that from Hyde, right? Hyde's a guy that he, it's pretty clear, if he doesn't like his situation, he ain't all in. Yeah, But right now, he's all in for obvious reasons.
1: Absolutely. You know, and it's kind of ironic that he is back with Duke Johnson again, Dude, Because <laughs> <Yes>. Duke Johnson's <laughs> back in Houston for whatever reason. I guess they're making it work now. But, um, yeah, you know, like, so some, and that's the thing about it, Brent, right? Because the whole situation with Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson came apart when Miller, their starting running back, got hurt. Right. And then all of a sudden, someone yeah. got another opportunity. Yep. They stepped up and now they're going to the playoffs. So it's funny where, you know, some guys who are kind of maybe in the middle of their careers and they're not really in good graces, like maybe Carlos Hyde was, especially with the Jaguars. Well, when your opportunity comes, you got two options. Either, you know, you, you play along and you do the best you can, or else you kind of just, you know, go with the status quo and have the same attitude you used to have. So I think from Carlos Hyde's perspective, he got a new lease on life a little bit. He understood that he was going to be a a big part of the contribution going forward, the Texans with Miller being out. And with Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson's the third down back, and they seem to coexist now. So I guess you never know when your shot's going to happen, but you have to have the right mentality, the right attitude in order to make it count.
0: All right, uh, let's get to this conversation I want to have. CEOs in the NFL versus college. Mm Mm-hmm. I've got to give a little credit to Laddie Montgomery. Uh, we were talking about this earlier today. He wanted me to give him credit, even though he really shouldn't get that much credit. But uh, I'm giving it to him. <laughs> He's getting plenty now. Yeah. yeah. So, but here, here's this. This is fascinating. Okay, people have asked me this multiple times. All right. Hey, <laughs> I just got this in in, uh, in TV. Hey, between us, what's really going on with the Jags? It's like, well, I don't fully know. Um, but I appreciate the the credibility. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, I here my view of this. And I'm done, by the way, saying I'm not defending anymore. We all know where this is. We all know, like, how did they bring these guys back with the record it was in two years? I think we all probably were like, wow, OK, they're doing this. Why? I can't defend it. I don't know. I, I mean, we're trying to figure it out, too. Mm-hmm. But I'm beyond the point of now saying I've said it enough this week. And last week and whatever, saying, hey, uh, well, this month, I'm trying to find out why. Why will it work now? And what's the fix and all, all the things? The biggest reason I said it right when I came out of the news conference on on Tuesday, my feel of it was something that you've echoed for a long time here on the show, and that's communication. Sure. And I, I think that is the bottom line here. At the root of it all, it's communication. It's, all right, Doug Marone, because you asked that very time. Hey, why wouldn't Doug Marone just go to Shad Khan? Well, because it's very Tough, because first you have to get through Dave Caldwell, then you got to get through Tom Coughlin to get, and maybe even Tony Khan to mm-hmm. get the shotgun. Well, that's not going to be the case anymore. Mm-hmm. He's got him on speed dial, and it's okay to call. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like you're going around somebody else's back if you make that phone call. That that already crystallizes, kind of the the communication part of what's going on now versus what it was. Sure. Now, that doesn't, I don't know if that means they're going to win 11 games. I don't know if that even means they deserve to be back because of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just telling you, that's what's now happening. And the folks in the building believe that's a real thing. Like, that's not just, hey, this is the reason why we're trying to make it. No, they think there's a real thing. I told you a few weeks back, somebody told me, and that's not in the building, but close enough, said there's a systemic problem in there right now. And I didn't really know what that meant. And I still don't know if I fully grasp what it means, and we can all guess at things. But I think part of that systemic problem is just what we're saying. If you have all these different pieces that you have to get through to get a problem solved, well, that is systematically bad. It, mm-hmm. Instead, need to be on the same page. Ron Rivera, who just took over the Washington job, I, I wish I could find the soundbite because it was with ESPN, so it's probably not anything we have. But he actually spells it out. Exactly the way I think I heard Doug Marone kind of spell it out on Tuesday. So it was interesting this came after the fact. Mm-hmm. It was almost like he watched Marone's news conference. And I know he didn't because he's done this before. But what he said is, hey, I am going to share my message with everybody, not only in the locker room, but everybody in this building. And this message and plan is going to have a vision to it that everybody knows what it is. Did you see what he did when he got to the locker room? I saw he took the ping pong table. Got the ping pong him. table out. Yeah, well, that's a different topic, but okay. I mean, whatever. It's a I mean, it's but, a whatever topic. But it's, to it's still a statement, though. It's a statement. Yeah. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um. I. I. But my my point, like the the ticketing guy now is going to know Ron Rivera's message. Sure. My question to you, and I think to anybody in that building down there, and anybody in Jacksonville, is: When Doug Marone got here, did you know his plan? Did you know what he wanted to do? Did you – I would say no Hmm. because I think I could tell you I knew what Tom Coughlin wanted to do. Mm -hmm. He wanted to win lunch. He wanted to be physical, run the football, play defense. Sure. I I knew what Tom Coughlin wanted, but I have no idea what Doug Marone wants to do. Yeah. I mean, I still don't really know what Doug Marone – I mean, hopefully he's going to tell us along the way here. But do we know what he wants to do other than win? Well, Ron Rivera in day one in Washington – spelled it out that we are going to have this, it's going to sound like this, it's going to come from me, and this is the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to be a part of it, well, don't be a part of it. So You'll essentially
1: you're saying he is the CEO, obviously, right now of the Washington Redskins.
0: So they've actually named him essentially the CEO of the Redskins. Correct. You know who else runs it like that? Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. Right? Mm-hmm. And Kraft allows that. Yes, they've had GMs. They've had talented ones, too, at least some people think. Yeah. Uh, the guy that's there right now, some have rumored to, to be like with McDaniels on the next Wherever they land. But it's still uh, Bill Belichick's show. But it's Bill Be- Pioli. Okay. Once he got away from Belichick, eh, just yeah. okay, right? Mm-hmm. So, Belichick is the guy. Mm-hmm. And Belichick, they give power to. They don't say, hey, Belichick, go scout every game there is in college football. No, they have a scouting staff. They have they have a guy in title, I think, that is GM, and that is player personnel. But Belichick is everything's bounced off. What did you have in Jacksonville? You had a coach in Doug Marone that said, Hey, Doug, uh, what do you think about what you got for Jalen Ramsey? I I don't talk personnel. Mm-hmm. That's not me. That's yeah. not my department. Yep. I mean, I'll be involved in the meetings, and, and I'll be a, a, you know within earshot of it, but that's not my territory. Well, maybe it should be. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to be the coach that knows what kind of player you're going to be coaching? Mm-hmm. And would like to help pick the players or at least get players in here that are going to be players that would fit your vision Mm -hmm. of what's going on. So I think the more and more you kind of look around the NFL and see some of those things like the – Bell. and again, I hate comparing to, to the Patriots. But in this sense, it actually could be a right thing because we know their organization runs from top down and has very few voices outside of Kraft, Belichick. And I would say you could even put, like, Brady in as a voice, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But that's it. Like, nobody else – you don't even hear people speak. Mm-hmm. But you know their vision, know who they are, know what to expect and all those things. And, of course, the winds have come along the way to help that. But to me, it kind of – it's very reminiscent of, well, we, want, we know what Nick Saban's doing at Alabama. We know what Dabo Swinney's doing, the A.D., I have no idea what the AD's doing. I, I mean, I don't know what his vision is, but I know Dabble Swinney's vision. Sure. I know Nick Saban's vision. Even here in in, in Gainesville, you know Dan Mullen. You hear him speak. You know what he wants to do and his vision of it. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the more and more you look at this, it's kind of like, well, why isn't the NFL a little bit more like the college build of being that CEO and everything sprinkles from the top down? Here in Jacksonville, it does not feel like it's been that way. Not Even at Jack all. Jack Del Rio, nah. I mean, it, to me, in my mind, the pecking order is owner, GM, coach. Mm-hmm. It's never felt like, uh, other than Tom Coughlin back in the early days, when it was successful, by the way, and it felt like owner Tom Coughlin. Yeah. And then eventually end up getting himself in trouble because of the cap and all that stuff. But... Maybe that's not what we – we haven't had that in Jacksonville. Maybe some of the teams haven't had enough of that where it's this one guy is the point person. And you can have any kind of title you want and have any kind of input you want. But we know if I'm in Tahiti, Mm -hmm. I know the leader of X organization is that guy. Sure. And you know it with some of the successful ones. I get that feel with Pete Carroll. Good point. And he does work hand-in-hand with the GM, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would say it's an interesting one right now in San Francisco, because I do think John Lynch has kind of that. I I think John Lynch is there. Um, I think Elway kind of feels that way in Denver a bit. I think Andy Reid
1: is calling the shots in Kansas City, you know, because he's the offensive minded guy. If he has a quarterback, he likes
0: going. I mean, and we go back and forth
1: with Dorsey, but yeah, but obviously Andy Reid loved Patrick Mahomes as well.
0: Yeah. And and then you look at some of them that have been a little messed up. Sure. I don't know if Ursay in Indianapolis fits that, but I know Jerry Jones in Dallas does. Oh, of, course. That's, just of an, course. that's just an odd, weird... Like, they're on the other side of the spectrum. There's Belichick and the Patriots, who I don't like to compare to, yeah. and then Dallas, who is very tough to compare to, because they're on the weird side of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and, and so how, how unique they are. But I guess my overall point, man, mm-hmm. is I did not like... I say, hey, go coach the team. Go coach the players you have. Mm-hmm. And... There's enough responsibility there. There's a lot to do. Your job's to win games and figure all that out. I don't think it benefits coaches to say, oh, yeah, I want that player. I want that player. I want this player. Oh, let's go scout him and let's go trade up for him and, and all these things. I never thought that was a very effective way to do it. But now I kind of feel like, you know what, in college, Nick Saban Puts the rubber stamp on if he wants Mac Jones from Bowles. Yeah. He goes and takes that one more flight over to Jacksonville and says, you know what? Hey, Mac, we'd love to have you here. Not necessarily the prime guy recruiting him. Not necessarily the conversation guy to get him here. But he puts the rubber stamp on it and says, I want that guy part of my program. Yeah. He wouldn't get in there without the rubber stamp of Nick Saban. So why don't we do that more in the NFL? Why haven't we done that more in Jacksonville? And we'll and have a little bit more of a say along with Dave Caldwell to determine, I want to go with Gardner Minshew. I want this guy in here.
1: So let me ask you this then. With Tom Coughlin being gone now, do you foresee Doug Marone to kind of be that CEO type of the Jacksonville Jaguars organization?
0: Not really. <laughs> yeah. I just said all that and I I don't know if I believe Marone all of a sudden will get anointed that kind of power.
1: But here's the question, Brent.
0: But I do think he Should will he? have
1: more of it. Okay. I see where you're coming from. The question we have to ask: He didn't even
0: have the power to build his own staff. Yeah. I mean, Tom Coughlin was building his staff for him. Mm-hmm. The question that can't be a secret recipe to success.
1: No, I, I hear you, but the question we need to ask ourselves, and one of the uh, my favorite quotes that you always say is, "Nothing is given; it is earned." Right? Well, when we're talking about Doug Marrone right now, trying to be that CEO role, did he earn that role? Because fortune favors the bold. And a way to earn that role, the the, the way to be the face of the franchise, to be that CEO-type guy, number one, yes, it's it's taking the bold risks of taking guys in the draft that maybe people overlook. It's maybe making the free agent signings that people overlook, but it's also – Standing up for stuff when you see it's going wrong. My instance, Tom Coughlin, right? You knew the culture was going to crap. You, you know you're losing the locker room, and by all things considered, he probably did his best part to try to save it with maybe taking the reins off a little bit at training camp. I understand that. He had the players back there. You had the players back, but you didn't have the organizations back. Because if you truly had the organizations back, you go to Shad Khan. You go out, sit at his desk, you pound your piss on the table, and be like, we cannot win with Tom Coughlin. We need to make a move. Now, I get it. Tom Coughlin is is his superior. He outranks Doug Marone. But I'm saying, if Shad Khan would have listened to Doug Marone and been like, all right, I'll I'll take your your stuff to heart, and then you see the results on the field, you see what the players are saying, you see Grievancegate, well, then you go, well, maybe Doug Marone is this guy. Maybe Doug Marone has the Jacksonville Jaguars' best interest in mind, and maybe I should put more responsibility on Doug Marone's plate because he obviously wants what's best for organization. Now, maybe that happened behind closed doors. I don't think it did because, in my opinion, Tom Coughlin wore out his welcome here in Jacksonville. So I get, you know, you want to have that guy that's in the CEO role, but at the same time, you have to make sure that he qualifies for that. And I'm not sure right
0: now if Doug Marone has qualified for that position. Well, I think that's a fair question. I think you kind of answered it the way I would answer it. How do we know he didn't do that? And I don't think that's a normal thing. I think he would have really had to go outside the box. But I also believe that Khan knew, back with the Jalen Ramsey stuff, That Tom Coughlin was done right then. I think he was fired then. He kind of indicated that in his his statement. He said, I knew earlier this fall that he was done. Well, why? what, What did along the way? And he also said in this recent statement, we have had conversations for weeks now, Doug Marone, Dave Caldwell. So it's not like they had this one breakfast on tuesday morning they've had conversations for weeks that's why by the way the what we had told you about it was trending for them to come back sure happened because those conversations had been taking place and the feeling around there was like hey I think we're going to get a crack at this thing. And why? Because maybe some of those conversations did take place. Now, did it take place after Coughlin was out of the building? Did it still take place while Shad Khan was investigating what the heck is going on here? And be honest with me, it's okay. You're not railroading the guy, but we need to know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, we have no idea how those things took place. But I will say, from an earned standpoint, from an action standpoint, what we do know, or what, well, what I think I know, I think he did take a bold move, man. I think Doug Marone made a hell of a bold move this year with this football team. He basically, and this is all me, this is my view of this, and I've said this multiple times on the show. I don't think Doug Marone has a job in Jacksonville and maybe anywhere in the NFL as a head coach without Tom Coughlin helping make that decision a few years ago. I don't think so. I've said that to people and I have said, well, I don't believe it. I think the, I think Tom Coughlin, Toadshad Khan, I can work with a couple people, Mike Smith being one of them, mm-hmm. D- Doug Marone being another one. And that's one of the reasons Doug Marone is the head coach in Jacksonville. I don't know if he would be a head coach right now anywhere in the league. He might, but I don't know if he would. So for him to make the bold move of saying knowing that or at least thinking that or, or maybe there's some plausible um, – maybe that's right in some context but not all contexts. To say, wow, one of the reasons I'm back as a head coach in the NFL is because of Tom Kaufman. I respect him. He wanted to work with me. He said it was okay to work with me. And then two years later, basically thumbing your nose at that guy, and I would use a different term, but I don't think he did in that sense, and saying, you know what? I do respect the guy, but it's not working the way he's doing it. We have got to turn this thing around and do it this way in a way that with a weaker, tra- a more relaxed training camp, that guy won't sign off on without playing starters in preseason games, that guy won't sign off on. With the input from the players in the offseason, that guy won't sign off on. All those things. Sticking up for players publicly, that guy won't sign up on. In fact, he's hammering players publicly. So I think... I think that is a bold move. So if, if you take the, the context of that, where it was in 17 with Doug Marone getting this job and what he did two years later to say, hey, this is not right. Like I might not be able to go to Shad Khan and and, and kind of tattletale, if you will, on the way Tom Coughlin's doing things. This is my football team. And if I don't fix it and try to fix it, then it's really going down the toilet mm-hmm. so I, I think he kind of did with his actions what we don't know is behind the scenes how many conversations and what those conversations were like to earn more of it yeah in your point of view
1: yeah I, exactly you know and that is the question how much did he do to earn that and in my opinion anytime you have the locker room because for all things considered after everything that happened this season the players had doug marone's back and shot kind of came out and said that you know there was play interviews after the season and they all seemed to want doug marone back all right so anytime you have that, in my opinion, you mean you have the player supporting you. Even Jalen Ramsey coming out and saying, "Does have a problem with you?" After you guys almost duke it out in the sidelines, if you have every, if everyone's got your back in that locker room, that's an advantage, right? Because Tom Coughlin couldn't say the same thing. I didn't see one Jaguars player come out and say, "Hey, Tom, thanks for the memories, man. We wish you best of luck down you know down the stretch, uh, whatever else you get into your future endeavors." Not one player I saw tweet anything else. Clarence Campbell was nice and. You know, I think at the press conference, Clay Scamble said something nice about Tom Coughlin, but for the most part, no player had Tom Coughlin's back. So immediately, if you're Doug Marone and the players have your back, that's an advantage, man. You know, so you did have the power, in my opinion, to do a little paradigm shift and be like, you know what? Tom Coughlin is just not working out here, Shad. Let's make a move. But that didn't happen now. Did Tom Coughlin go to ShadCon? We'll never know. Like you said, let's wait till the book comes out, and then we'll read it. But I truly think if you have the power of the locker room, if you have the power of the head coach, you could have got a lot of results done. You could have got a lot of things done, which
0: didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 on a bigger level, what, what didn't happen did happen. Uh, again, we might have to wait for the book. I don't even know if it's here in Jacksonville right now. I just think we're starting to see a bit of a trend going in a direction of, you know what? Maybe these coaches do need more power. Do they need as much as we gave them 10 or 15 years ago where it didn't seem like it worked out? Probably not. But they still need to run their – they need to run this thing their way. Hmm. And everybody in the building needs to know it, not just the guys in the locker room. And I get the feel that's where we're going to head in 2020 with Doug Marone. I mean, he said it. He said, they will know my vision in the ticket office, in the marketing department. He called out the marketing department. We'll see if he lives up to it, but he even said it. Mm-hmm. They'll know my vision and how we want to do this. And for the last three years in Jacksonville, we knew Tom Coughlin's vision. We had no idea what Doug Marone's vision was. So is that a saving grace? Does that rescue things? Is that a reason they should be here? I don't know. Does that mean they'll win 10, 11 games? I don't know. But I do think it will be a change and a systematic change and a pretty significant change in, inside that building that maybe we don't feel here. I think the other way we could feel it a little bit more is they could be more transparent. And I'm not saying we need to know everything. But but transparency is a good thing this day and age, I think, with fans. Dave Caldwell and Gus Bradley, they were transparent. Hmm. Tom Coughlin got in here and the lights went off. No, the doors got locked. It became Fort Knox again. And again, that's worked for him in the past. It works for a year but it didn't work for 3 and i'd love to see him go back and be more transparent again not just i'd love it for our sake well, too obviously for the media but, perspective. but i would really like it for the fa- i think the fans would appreciate that
1: mm-hmm.
0: i think the fans want to see what's going on and when you when you peel back the curtain and welcome people that are paying money yeah into your world a little bit i think that is well received. I think well, that's important. One more note yeah. on the Ian Rappaport. He said the Browns approach to hire a coach first, then GM. It's a bit of a growing trend in the NFL. The Redskins just did it. The playoffs currently 49ers, Seahawks, Bills, Saints, Chiefs, Patriots, Texans all have had a head coach at the top of the power structure. It can work.
1: Yeah very interesting you know and and time will tell with Doug Marone's vision right it could be smoke and mirrors or he may be serious with what he says at the end of the day you have to have a vision because whether it's a returning coach or new coach coming in if you're sitting with the owner of a franchise and they interview you the first thing they ask you is what is your vision to turn this around
0: do you have to have a rookie quarterback on a cheap deal to win big in the NFL this year's playoffs may say otherwise that's next on ESPN 690 good afternoon um First off, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Today is the beginning of a great new year for the Redskins organization and its fans. What the Redskins have needed is a cultural change. Someone that can bring a winning culture to our organization. And it starts and ends with our head coach. Did he really say Happy Thanksgiving instead of Happy New Year? Good afternoon.
2: Um, first off, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.
1: That, that that was my phone that I emailed you today. It's all good though. We just it's did all it. good. Yeah, we just did it. That's Dan Schneider, owner of the Washington Redskins, starting out his press conference by wishing everybody January second, by the way, wishing everybody a happy Thanksgiving.
0: Did he? Did How he weird catch is that? It? Did he ever catch it? It just didn't sound like he did. No, I missed that. Somewhere.
1: No, he just I don't know if he's starting like a new trend or whatever, but
0: that's weird, man. Happy New Year! Yeah, he is. That he that's it's a good point. He is an odd guy for sure. But hey, even there in Washington now, see, this is the thing. I, I think if you've been listening to the show, you know I'm not like this huge guy on Ron Rivera. I'm not like you're. You're really not, Brent. No, and it's nothing to do. I I hear the stories about him. Fantastic. I think he's a good coach. I just think. Like, you're not changing the game. You're not changing your organization. You're not doing that. If you bring bring Ron Rivera to Jacksonville. Okay, he's winning one every three years. So you brought up a steady actually made the postseason the fourth time, I, and I missed that. You bet. Um, but I just don't feel it. Again, we can argue about it, debate it. That's fine. I don't feel it. But I do think for Washington... That has had all this turnover. They've been stuck in the mud for 20 years in kind of a different way than Jacksonville has. Yes, Jacksonville's been stuck in the mud for a long time. But Washington is like one of these traditional – it'd be like the Steelers being stuck in the mud right now for 20 straight years. Yeah. That – That doesn't happen with those kind of organizations that already are Super Bowl winners, have been around for 50, 60 years, have waiting lists of season ticket holders. And now, all of a sudden, nobody's going to the game. Nobody has confidence anywhere. You don't know who's running the show. And the
1: Steelers, like, what, only had three coaches the past 50 years or something? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't tell you how good they are.
0: I believe it's funny because I I think you you Mm. could certainly um, hold this statement to the fire on me, and I get it. As bad as Jacksonville's been, I don't think people around here are willing to go 8-8 eight and eight and 9-7. and seven. I think people around here have the taste of 17, and they want to get to the playoffs every year. They want to become a perennial team. They want to get the Super Bowl. We've had a little bit of a taste in 25 seasons of of being okay, getting to that postseason, all that stuff. I feel like this organization, even though at 11 out of 12 years have been really bad around here, I don't feel like 8-8 eight and eight is like a step in the right direction, 9-7. and seven. I don't think people feel that way. I do feel like at least for the next couple of years, three, four, five years in Washington, that would actually be a step in the right direction. I know it sounds silly, yeah, but I do think like somebody to stabilize their ship a little bit in Washington would would is being welcomed and I think Ron Rivera might be perfect for that guy because now it's not Dan Snyder or whoever the heck the face of the organization is or was, or Bruce Allen or Jay Gruden, you know Ron Rivera's the guy running the show now. They've given the reins to Ron Rivera, and I think that will be beneficial to Washington. (laughs) I'm just sitting here telling you, I think we're going to look up in three years or maybe six years, and Ron Rivera's hadn't made the postseason twice they maybe made a run into, uh, into the playoffs a little bit. Yeah. And the rest of the years have been 8-8, eight and 7-9, eight, and nine, or maybe 9-7. and seven. I think that's who Ron Rivera is. But I think Washington kind of needs that right now. They're kind of like Florida, coming off the four and eight years of Muschamp and McElwain. They need a guy that will say, hey, we need to win nine games, mm-hmm. maybe a tenth. But we can't win four anymore. Florida State's in that boat right now. Hey, Mike Norvell, we hope you win big, but please don't ever allow us to win five again or four, or six, let's win eight, nine, ten, whatever. And I feel like, what? again, this might be kind of silly saying it from Jacksonville, but I just feel like Washington is in that kind of frame of mind more so than even the Jags or, or even a Cleveland is at the moment. Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess if you sit here and ask me, Brent, in the AFC South right
1: now, if you can have a coach that can take you to the playoffs every other year, would you take it? I think if you're a Jaguars fan right now, you'd be absolutely ecstatic to
0: do that. Listen, you would do that, any. the league doesn't operate that way. So, yes, you would almost do that yeah. everywhere but uh, Seattle and New England. Sure. And maybe I, Kansas City. Sure,
1: exactly. And essentially, that's, what's, that's what Ron Rivera has done. And to put a cherry on top, he's been to a Super Bowl. So, from the perspective of, you know, not a sexy hiring, see, to me, I think it is. Because, number one, you have, you're getting your culture established, right? And especially with Washington – What's just been a, a worse, I think, worse part of the Jaguars this year of, in terms of, oh, absolutely. you know, that's I mean, my point. Yeah, exactly. So, in terms of players coming out and saying they want the, the trainers fired and all this stuff. So, you bring in a guy like that, Ron Rivera, and then he brings in another guy like Jack Del Rio, who's an old school kind of guy, a former player who can also establish some culture. Well, now you go from having just this chaos of, of just trying to salvage a season. Well, now you go to having a team that is going to be hard nosed tough and be on the same page to be fair if you were to compare the jacksonville jaguars right now one would say well maybe they need a little more toughness maybe they need to be a little more hard-nosed maybe they need an identity one could argue ron rivera would have fit pretty well here for those type of characteristics you now can. and you can make how much are you,
0: now how much are you gonna win who knows right but just I think saying, I'm in the minority, by the way. I think yeah. you're in the majority there. I, yeah. I just don't see that much difference. Well, in, but, well, but I might be the minority.
1: And I have no idea, like, where the fan base is at with that. And to be fair, like, if you watch a Ron Rivera press conference, maybe it's not the most sexy kind of thing, right? Like. I don't know if he's really ahead of the curve in terms of calling these great defenses. He switched from a 3-4, I'm sorry, from a 4-3 to a 3-4 this year because he was analyzing the personnel that he had. So that, that's, that shows you that he's willing to adapt a little bit, but he may not be the young, new face like a Sean McVay or somebody like that. But at the end of the day, the guy's got the identity. The guy establishes the culture. And if you can do that in a football team that is desperately in need, that's a step in the right direction. That's a step to going to the playoffs and ultimately trying to win the grand prize of a, of a Super Bowl
0: trophy. And and I guess, uh, yeah, listen, again, I think I'm in the minority on this one. Mm. But I'm just saying I think Washington needs that in a weird way more than Jacksonville right now it, because they're such a mess. They have been such a mess, man. Mm. I mean, they have been like – from where they've gone from to where they are now and the mess in between – I mean, I guess you could argue that with Jacksonville a little bit, but I do feel like you're bringing, you know, Jack Del Rio's on the staff with Ron Rivera. Could you imagine if Ron Rivera was here and Jack Del Rio was your defensive coordinator? Wouldn't the optics of that appear like the Jaguars are going backwards? Jack used to be the coach. Yeah, you know, my that's my point. You know, so it doesn't look like you're going forward in Jacksonville if you have Ron Rivera. Although in Washington, it feels like you're moving forward. But to be fair, if you had Ron Rivera here
1: in Jacksonville, like, so let's say in a perfect world, Doug Marone head coach, Todd Wash is out, they're bringing Ron Rivera. Well, that's kind of a step back too because you have a former head coach who's now a defensive coordinator. It'd be the same thing. Now it's probably a little different because Jack used to coach in Jacksonville. But that's essentially what you're saying there,
0: Brent. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I, I think it's more of an optic play for me. Where and, and keep in mind uh, where I've been consistent with the Jaguars, and I'm not saying Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell this marriage right here sure. is it, but I believe the Jaguars have got to get themselves on the other side of the curve, mm-hmm. and they've got to be forward thinking and a little bit risk taking and bold and and those kind of things. To me, Ron Rivera isn't that. I, I think okay. I think the Redskins went with a safe play. But, but I don't believe he'll win a Super Bowl there. Uh, I think if Ron Rivera came here, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be confident they'd win a Super Bowl here. Uh, I, yeah. I, I just
1: wouldn't. Well, but, and to be fair though, and yes, the Redskins are taking a chance with Ron Rivera. But keep in mind, Brent, we we sat here and discussed how Jacksonville is not a prime destination. To me, neither is Washington, okay? Like, I grew up in the late 80s. I don't remember the good Washington teams. All I have to go off of the Washington Redskins are teams that constantly fall in their division. Yeah, you had your RG3 moments where they went to the playoffs a couple times. But besides that, man, the Redskins have made zero noise in the playoffs. Absolutely. So, from my perspective, Washington is not a desirable job. To me, they don't have the history to say, it's not like the Steelers, all right? To me, it's just, it's Washington. So, from that perspective, yeah, Ron Rivera goes there. But he's also, he's also taking a risk himself because you had other jobs available. Yeah, For I'm instance, surprised
0: he went there, to be honest with you. Dallas. I
1: mean, I, I don't know why I would stand on Cleveland versus Washington. Probably it's was very comparable. But you had Dallas. But it looked you, like you, the Giants might even be interested. Exactly. So, so, so you don't, don't underestimate the, the, the power of the ego in coaches, Brent, where coaches love to turn it around. Oh, I agree you with know, you. You know, coaches love to point out something to be like, look at how much of a mess it was and look what I did to get us back where we belong.
0: Well, there's two things. It would be interesting to see how close that was. And maybe I just haven't read enough on on Rivera and the Giants. I th- but I thought there were some ties to that being of interest. Yeah. And Gettleman staying on board. Rivera might not have liked that. Sure. Um, even though, obviously, they had had a history. Mm-hmm. But maybe he wanted to more power instead of ceding power to the GM and also the quarterback. Maybe he likes Haskins more than he likes Daniel Jones. We, we have no idea. Yeah. So. Uh, it, it's, it's fascinating. Before we, uh, kind of wrap this topic, I want to get to the quarterbacks because the NFL quarterbacks is a very interesting story in terms of the dollars, but you did a little more on the, on the CEO type, the kind of the type of guy the New England Patriots get. Yeah. So before we get too far away from it, you know, what, where were you going with it?
1: Yeah. So as far as the Patriots, because right, they, they are the one team that, people try to mimic, right? In terms of the Patriots, Brent, they have a lot of things in common. Number one, Tom Brady, obviously, the GOAT. So that helps. Like, that's going to essentially win you games right there. And you have Bill Belichick, who's a, a pretty great genius, but at the same time, keep in mind, Bill Belichick coach at the Cleveland Browns. How did that work out for the Cleveland Browns? Not too good. So... The thing that I took away, and yes, they get great players, but what do they all have in common? They always get these guys that kind of go under the radar a little bit. Your Chris Hogan's, your Danny Amendola's, uh, your Garrett Blount's, you know, even the, the free agents that they signed with like Randy Moss. They have one thing in common, and it's that they come in with a chip on their shoulder. Now, what do I mean? In terms of Danny Amendola, in terms of Chris Hogan, um, in terms of Darrell Rivas who they signed, they all came from their in they came from their in division rivals. Yeah, it's right? interesting note. whether whether it's the Jets, the Bills, um, or the Dolphins. They get guys that played in division. Why is that important? Because you talked about it, Brent. Sometimes you got to find that little extra spark. Now we're talking about grown ass men here. You don't need any extra motivation, right? Like if you're in your 30s, you shouldn't need any extra motivation to go out there play football and get paid for it. But at the same time, every little inkling of motivation can help you. I talked about the story with Zach Miller, Evan Britton, and myself. Preseason in Chicago. We're at Soldier Field getting ready to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Believe me when I tell you that was like our Super Bowl, Brent. I'm shouting to Zach, they didn't want us, they cut us. Evan's, you know, saying F-bombs because that's who Evan Britton is. Zach Miller's pushing me we're getting all excited in the tunnel like that was our super bowl because we wanted to prove jacksonville wrong we, we want to come on we wanted jacksonville to go back watch the film and be like wow these guys came to play right like we wanted them to remember our name and be like hey we're still here and we're playing for another starting spot in chicago so from that perspective it gives you a little extra added incentive so if you're bill belichick and you're bringing guys in from buffalo you're bringing guys in from miami and new york but of course you have a little extra motivation because guess what it's not like us playing the Jacksonville Jaguars on Chicago. You play these teams twice a year because they're in your division. And I, think it's, I think it's kind of interesting how Belichick seems to target those guys. Now, don't get me wrong. Bill Belichick's also a very petty individual, right? He, he got let go of Cleveland. One would say that he probably can't stand Cleveland. Look back at the Patriots and the Cleveland Browns transactions. Look at how many Cleveland Browns guys Bill Belichick has brought in. Danny Shelton, Varcanius Mingo. The list goes on and on and on. Belichick almost makes it a habit of going after the guys that Cleveland lets go just to kind of prove them wrong and be like, you know what? You want to cut these guys? I'm gonna bring these guys on and I'm gonna turn around and make them, you know, Patriots and Super Bowl champions. And that's what Belichick does. So it's almost a, it's it's a fine line between
0: genius, a fine line between pettiness, whatever you want to call it. It gets results. Yeah, and well, and let me piggyback on that too. Those things that you mentioned, and this kind of goes. This is what makes this this go full circle. This conversation about yeah. the coach having a little bit more power, if not all the. You don't need all the power, in my opinion. Sure, but you need to be the guy in charge of a lot of it. I want to know who I'm coaching. I want to build my team with the help of the scouting staff and the GM. The GM, if Belichick did not have full control. Mm-hmm. I don't think would bring those guys in. No, absolutely, they, they absolutely would, they, not. They would look at Hogan. Yeah. They would be like Mingo. They would be like, nah, those guys aren't good enough. Now, yeah. get, now maybe once well, in a while they'd hit on well, the same guy. But
1: even even Darrell Rivas. You know, like even because he was kind of going down on his career a little bit, and he was asking for a lot of money. Randy Moss, same thing. Darrell Rivas, Bill Belichick got offered the New York Jets uh, head coaching job twice. Turned it down. Didn't want to go there. Didn't have a good feeling with New York. What does he do? He goes to get Darrell Reeves and brings him to New England. Well, guess what? You play the Jets twice a year. Look at how Darrell Reeves did in those games. You bring in Randy Moss. Randy Moss at the time was you know, on the back nine of his career. People were saying he was kind of washed up a little bit. You take a chance on Randy Moss. He has a chip on his shoulder. What does he do? He leads your team to an undefeated season. Simple as that. Uh, undefeated regular season.
0: Simple as that. Yeah, well, and I think you know, all this goes back to is consistency, too. And, you know, that was a big knock against Jack Del Rio, especially in the last few years, is he was inconsistent. You know, mm-hmm. I think we said it before, but like go to camp and camp would be at night and then camp would be hard and then camp would be not so hard. And then, but it was he didn't, it, it, you know, it's one thing to change, kind of like Doug Marone did this year. And another thing to just be like up and down and, and players don't know what to expect. People in the building don't know what to expect. Sure. There's not like a standard to what to expect. And I think that can get muddy sometimes as you change things. The one thing, is, you know, and winning helps, but there's consistency. And consistency usually equals communication. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it kind of goes back to button up our conversation of what was going on in that building. Well, there's certainly in three years an inconsistent approach. Went from the hardest training camp in the world in 2017 that some had seen in, in years in the NFL to a pretty easy one. Yeah. In 2019, no consistency. That doesn't equal winning. That's not go- You're not going to buck the trend if you can't be consistent in your communications, how you run things. And so my advice, <laughs> like he needs advice for me, yeah. but my advice to a guy like Doug Marone this year is, man, when you lay that plan out and you address everybody in that building and you tell everybody what you're looking for, live it. Yeah. Live it. Well, don't don't change on – again, you've got to make adjustments. Adjustments are different. But you better follow that to a T And to, because now you've told everybody what to expect. As soon as you start to waver on that, especially in a big way, well, people jump off the ship. Yeah. People don't want to believe it anymore. So you've got to do it, stick to it, and hope you're right in the way you, you, you put it together and it works. And to add a little, I guess, epilogue
1: to what we're trying to say here, but with the identity standpoint, if you look at Pete Carroll, if you look at um, – you know, Sean McVay. Even if you look at Harbaugh right now with the Ravens, they all have their identities, right? Like you know, Harbaugh's going to play some great defense, going to try to pound the rock. That's what he believes in. Pete Carroll, kind of the same thing, right? Like he was built on defense. Now they're a little more offensive oriented with their with the personnel, but he still wants to run the ball. I mean, you go after Marshawn Lynch, who's been sitting on the couch seems like the past year and a half because you still want to run the ball. Yes, Russell Wilson is the highest paid quarterback, but you still live and die by the run a little bit. But from that perspective, with the with the epilogue, I'm trying to say here is identity. With Doug Marone, you said it yourself. We don't know what he was bringing to the table. We have no idea. How do you expect a team to have an identity on the field if you don't purvey that identity in the locker room, if you don't purvey that identity in OTAs throughout the building during training camp? Spoiler alert, you're not.
0: Yeah, and and it's a great thought because in this whole TED Talk here that we're having, I, (laughs) I think the biggest thing that I've come away with is I can't sit here and fully tell you I know what Doug Marone is as a head coach. Mm-hmm. in terms of an identity of what he wants to do you know i can't I, I again i think he was piggybacking on what tom coughlin was and how tom coughlin built that staff and how tom coughlin talked at state of the franchises and with the with the glowing sound bites and the win lunch and and all that kind of stuff so i can't tell you fully i know exactly what he wants to be and to that degree I think we saw it with the offense of the Jaguars this year, the inconsistency of that. And whether that's on Doug or whether that's on Flip, and certainly some of that changed because of the quarterback change. But keep in mind, outside of the quarterback and tight ends, their offense did not change a whole heck of a lot. They had similar wide receivers. They had a running back who played in every game but the last one. And they had an offensive line who played in every game. So they were the same, yet the offense seemed to be different. The offense, even in the first eight games, was different than it was in like the next six. And nothing speaks more about that than when Foles went back in the game and they ran it eight times with their best player in Leonard Fournette and threw it 47 times yeah. and put their offensive line on uh, on their heels with a guy that can't move in the pocket. Like That made no sense. So was that Flip's fault? Was that Marone's lack of communication? Was that we don't know who the heck we want to be? Yeah. I-, I can tell you this. They didn't want to be that. They didn't want to be a team that kind of kept the football away from their best player Leonard Fournette coming out of a bye week. But that, to me, sums up their season in terms of who are you when you only give the best football player on your offense the football eight times in a game?
1: Listen, if you break down the 12 teams in the playoffs right now, Brent, I can go on every single team in the playoffs and break down their identity because it starts with their coaching, right? Maybe the one that the outlier of that group Possibly the Vikings, because usually Mike Zimmer is this defensive oriented guy. Let's be fair, the Vikings this year have not played great defense. But every other team on that list that are in the playoffs right now, they're a direct reflection of their coaching and their identity. Simple as that.
0: You think, uh, what is New Orleans? New Orleans? Oh, dude, offensive
1: minded all day. I mean, it's Drew Brees, it's Sean Payton working together. You know, it's having that chemistry. Now, they play great defense, and I think sometimes they use that to their advantage where it's like the defense gets no love,
0: let's play a little harder. Well, let's be honest, New Orleans is an offensive-minded team. You know, you're right about that. It's almost like in New Orleans, the defense sneaks up on you. Yeah. Because for now a decade, we've had in our mind that Sean Payton and Drew Brees are this offensive machine. Yeah. And at times they have been again this year. Yeah. But we also have in our mind that, well, that Saints defense, they're going to be just okay. Sure. Well, listen, like, and, and I think people still have that stick. They have that stigma, and they're they're better than okay.
1: Cam Jordan even came out and said in an interview where he said we use that to our advantage. Where people kind of count us out a little bit because it's the Drew Brees and the Saints on that offense, and we kind of you know we're like the sisters of the poor. I think he said, Well, they use
0: that to their advantage. Well, I kind of like that about Kansas City right now. And they haven't had a whole year of it, and they're not like the Saints. They're not as good as the Saints on defense, but they're way better than they've been in the last couple of years on defense mm-hmm. right now. That's why I kind of like them in this postseason. But to be fair, still offensive-minded team. Offensive minded. All day. Yes, that would be their identity. Yeah. Uh, and you know what else is the identity of the postseason? Quarterbacks. But not these young quarterbacks so much. There's a couple of them. But there's a lot of money being shelled out for these quarterbacks, and they're still going to the dance. We'll talk about it next on ESPN 690. I think we always feel like we have a great plan, you know, and I feel like we're going to go try to execute the plan best we possibly can. So that's been no different than what it's been all year. I don't think we go into any games going, man, I really hate what we're doing. I really do love what we're doing, trying, trying to attack them the right way and uh, go out there and, and score enough points to win. Can they do that is the question in New England. I mean, the offense just has not clicked. I mean, that's fact now. It, it just uh, is not a productive year. Nowhere near we, we, where we think it is. And it's interesting because, you know, around the league, everybody else is, it, right? The league continues to score a ton of points. Uh, Kansas City has been like that. Baltimore's been like that. All the NFC teams have seemingly been like that, uh, when they need to. Patriots just have not. They have not been like that. They need a game. It, the funny thing about it is they need a game kind of. Where the last couple of years, like the AFC Championship game against the Jags, the, yeah. the Super Bowl against the Rams, that they need to live in the low 20s tops most likely
1: to win. Yeah, which is a hard thing to ask themselves. If they do indeed advance against the Titans, well, then you've got the Chiefs and maybe eventually the Ravens, who are two high-powered offensive scoring teams, right? So you can play all the good defense you want, but you will give up some points. I mean, even though you don't break, you will bend. And you have to counter that with scoring yourselves. And what we've seen from the Patriots lately is the fact that they don't have the weapons to score. Julian Edelman's banged up. Is he going to be healthy going in the playoffs? Sony Michelle has been having problems all year in the run game. You have James White coming out of the backfield, but guess what? That's been the same song and dance now for the past three years. Teams can get hip to that, especially in the playoffs. So listen, I, I said the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl, Brent. All right. The Patriots are my original pick before the season even started, but it's hard for me to, to go with Brady this year. But it's the same story every single year. You bet against the GOAT, and you end up getting burned. I just I can't visualize in a 100 in a scenarios that I try to play out my mind where the New England Patriots can go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. The Patriots can go toe-to-toe with the Ravens. But we've been proven wrong before.
0: I already told you I ain't afraid of anything. I'm not afraid against, to think against the Patriots. <laughs> um, I'm not afraid of the GOAT. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I think uh, that has died down. So, okay, here's the question. And – we got a couple of things uh, that we'll get to. I want to go on the quarterbacks here in the postseason, but let's begin with Tom Brady. Is this his final game uh, in a Patriots uniform? If they lose, of course, but I mean, could this really be, which seems unfathomable, his final game? And does that mean it's his final game because he retired, or does that mean it's his final game because he went and looked elsewhere for employment?
1: <sighs> yeah. Um, To me, if the Patriots do not win the Super Bowl or even if if they don't make it to the Super Bowl, I think Tom Brady's coming back. Um, Simple as that. I I have a hard time believing Tom Brady after all he's been through that he has it in his mind that he's going to go out a loser. Now, you can call that delusion a little bit. You can call it and saying, you know what, Tom, that's fantastic, man. But at the end of the day, facts are facts. And Father Time is always undefeated. And let's be fair. You didn't look like yourself this year, Okay. So I get that perspective, Brent. But once again, this is a different type of cat in Tom Brady. And I think he feels that he has to justify everything. And the only way to do that is to go out on top. So I think he comes back next year, regardless if it's with the Patriots or some other team, but he's coming back.
0: He could have made this easier if he just listened to me and got out after the end of last year when he was on top. <laughs> you did say that. But yeah. I listen, I said to you in the break when we were asking this question, and I, and I, I think you could chase that for a long time. You know, you can chase – oh, I want to go out on top. I want to go out on top. Everybody would love to go out on top. Um, I, I think it's cool that Tom Brady didn't walk away and said, hey, I still have it and I still love being around my teammates and I love playing this game and I've got enough to play this game and I think we can still win at a high level. I, I, I like appreciate that about him. Mm-hmm. I kind of, from a storybook point of view, from the age that he's at, from where I think I saw this thing headed anyway, where New England, I felt, and, and we were there last year, And I felt all week, I felt at the media day, and I felt after they won it Mm -hmm. that both him and Belichick almost had this feeling of like, I can't believe we just won this with this team. (laughs) Like, we just won the Super Bowl? Really? Like, we're not even that good in, in our world. You know, like, we're not, relatively speaking, we're not that good from where we've been. And we just won the Super Bowl. Do you believe that? Like, that's the sense I got from Brady and Belichick uh, from the enjoyment factor of of media day, mm-hmm. like I thought. I've, I've been to a lot of these now the last decade, and I've covered the Patriots in a lot of them. <laughs> and I thought Tom. Brady had the most fun he's ever had in a media day. He was smiling more. It didn't look like he was itching to get out of there. Any of that stuff. Super super relaxed. Relaxed. If you heard his his sound bites, uh, what he was saying, all those things. Like, it just had the feel of, man, this is pretty cool that we made it here one more time. We didn't even really expect this. And so from that point of view, I just thought it was like a storybook way to go out because you kind of knew where this was headed. You Mm -hmm. had the Chiefs that were up and coming. I don't know if you saw this with Baltimore, but you had other teams that were about, maybe even Indianapolis, some would have thought before luck retired that Indianapolis would make a run with a young team they had. So it it was only going to get harder and harder for the Patriots from here on forward. And so that's why I thought they should have retired. I I still believe this. I don't think the Patriots will win another Super Bowl for a long, long time. Um, I don't think they're winning it this year. I felt that at the Super Bowl last year. And I think it would have been a storybook ending to get out if I'm Tom Brady. Now, I'm I'm really delaying answering the question I asked. Sure are. (laughs) I'm going to say... I can't the the part that I can't envision, man, is not necessarily him losing and going out as a as a loser, if you will, but sure. short of the Super Bowl, is playing for another team. And that's probably my own stupidity because everybody now plays for another team. It's okay, Peyton Manning. They all do it. I mean, Brett Favre played for another team. <sighs>
1: yeah, don't bring that up, man. But he did. I, I, I remember, especially when he went to the Jets. That was fun. But then played for the Vikings, the the division rival. that comes
0: back. And Philip Rivers might be about to play for another
1: team. Sure. You, you, Eli Manning. One could argue, depending Good. if he wants to come back and
0: just keep on playing. And so I don't like that because I think it's kind of it's not neat for me. It cheapens it a little it, bit, it, right?
1: Well. it to
0: me, it cheapens the like the, the
1: nostalgia that I, ha- well, I have.
0: And, and I am that way a little bit. Like I don't love the fact that LeBron James went from Cleveland to Miami, back to Cleveland, and to L.A. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Like I think the great players should – I, I mean, nobody does anybody like the fact that Michael Jordan finished his career outside of Chicago? No. A lot of people don't even remember that part. I know, but nobody likes reasons. it. No, I hear you. Right? Yeah. So – I don't, I don't like when it happens, and it's probably old school me. It happens all the time now. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like, and, and quite frankly, I'm not going to sit here and say who would bring Tom Brady in, but in this day and age, if you don't have everything around Tom Brady and he's going to be 43 years old when he plays football for you, how much would you be willing <laughs> to bring Tom Brady in? I, I, again, I think that's it sounds like a silly question because – Heck yeah, give me Tom Brady. Like, Mm -hmm. would you ride with Tom Brady next year in Jacksonville? I would say I don't think it would be the best thing to do, but yeah, I do it. Of course, (laughs) right? Yeah. Um. So I wonder how many teams out there would be willing to do it. Is my quit? You know, I I mean, Philip Rivers and Eli Eli Manning definitely. But I think Philip Rivers is going to have a hard time finding a place. Sure. You know why? Because it's they're the statue quarterback, not only old but expensive, and I'm not sure that's the way to go. Yeah, listen. I I understand that it's the young man's
1: game, you know. But uh, I think Peyton Manning had the precedent, right? Because he comes from Indianapolis. He has the neck surgery. He got his neck fused together, right? If I'm not mistaken, yeah, I think that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a fusion, which is a very serious operation. And to be fair, sometimes like guys don't ever really recover from that, you know. So if you're the Broncos, you're taking that risk and bringing Peyton Manning in. Now, what did bringing Peyton Manning in actually do? Okay. Well, number one, you had the team around him to to cultivate the greatness of Peyton Manning, right? Like, he didn't just go to some schlubby team where it was like, all right, Peyton, uh, we're like the Bad News Bears. Go ahead and show us how to win a football game. No, you, you, you had the vets there that helped him out. You know, you had the receiving core. You had a fantastic defense, and all those things helped. So, in my opinion... Yes, I think Tom Brady can play in another spot, but it has to be the right situation. I think Tom Brady's past the point of where he can go to a team like the Dolphins, a team that like like the Redskins, teams that are kind of the bottom barrel, or even maybe the Jaguars right now, who are kind of the bottom barrel themselves, and expect to have winning results like Peyton Manning did. No, you have to have the right
0: situation. Like where, though? That's my point. So, sure. so as we say this and say, okay, is this it for Tom Brady, who... Where's the fit for Tom Brady? If you take it to California, could he go to the Chargers? Sure, yeah. I mean, but aren't you just replacing I mean, you uh, I guess I could see the fit. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're willing to go with Rivers for all this time and maybe Brady comes in, and they have a lot of talent on offense. I think they do if they keep that and mm-hmm. so I could see that. That that would be one team. Um, th- obviously Oakland's not doing that. Denver? And Denver I it doesn't feel like they're moving on with Locke. Well, so, I mean, Locke you're is stunt the guy. That? What? For Tom Brady, <laughs> but, uh, but but they're nowhere near as talented around like no, they were with Peyton.
1: Exactly, without right? a doubt. No, you're absolutely right, Brent. Because let's be honest, Von Miller. Not
0: sure if he's coming back yet. And keep in uh, mind, Peyton set records in Denver, and yeah. they went to the Super Bowl and lost. Mm-hmm. But the one they won, he could hardly throw the ball eight yards. Sure, they won because of their defense. He was a handicap to that team. Yeah, I mean, he seriously was. Yep. I, I mean, you. I loved it for him that he won that, but he would. Uh, they didn't win that because they almost won it in spite. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what would be a crazy thing if
1: let's say the patriots don't go to the super bowl okay and tom brady's kind of question if he wants to leave or not he goes to cleveland with bill belichick
0: well you know i i, I actually ran that through my mind not the belichick part but yeah. the cleveland part of saying i'll go throw it to landry yeah and i'll go throw Odell it to Odell beckham. beckham jr mm-hmm. okay and then belichick goes with him I don't know about the
1: you like that. Part Yeah, about. but there are ties to Cleveland, though. No, yeah, you know?
0: I don't know about that part no, of it, I but you. I did think of, from a Brady standpoint, could you fit and bump Baker Mayfield out? Maybe you do, but I mean, seriously, thinking you look down the teams the in the NFL, you, you got to remember. I, and I understand in hindsight, you're gonna you're to laugh at this, but when Nick Foles was out there as a 30 year old quarterback who had won a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP and, and whatever, there weren't even more than there wasn't more than one team sniffing. For Nick Foles, in a quarterback-starved world, only one team really had interest in Nick Foles, and that was the Jasper Jaguars. Why? Well, because some of the teams were ready to draft their quarterback of the future, and they were in a high position. Some have already drafted their quarterback of the future. Or other teams, like the Patriots, the Chargers, the Seattle's. everybody had their quarterback and have had him for a while, Green Bay, in that list. So if you really start to look at the teams in the NFL that are unhappy with their quarterback situation, there are not many of them, or I shouldn't say unhappy, unhappy or well-invested. Correct. And they're already in their quarterback situation, usually with a young player. Mm-hmm. There are not a lot of situations to go. I mean, could know, he go to Carolina?
1: But do they, do they really have the resources there for him to be successful? I don't think so. Do you, do um, you know who I'm looking at here? I just said their name, but I'm, the more I think about it, the more it kind of makes sense. No, you want a team that has a great offensive line, a team that can run the ball and kind of take some burden off you throwing the ball? Indianapolis Colts.
0: Colts would be an interesting one. Can you
1: imagine Tom Brady in the AFC South? No, thank you. <laughs> but, but,
0: but actually, I could see him in two spots in the AFC South. I could see him in Tennessee. Yeah. and I could, With Mike Vrabel. No, absolutely. And I good could call. see with Frank Reich in Indianapolis mm-hmm. because they have the wherewithal to do it. They have an uncertain future right now. They do have a good offensive line. They have some good parts. I don't feel like they're Super Bowl-ready parts. But, but keep in mind, they also have a lot of capital uh, in terms of salary cap where they can spend some money. They could go get some more parts. Yep. So that, that's an interesting call. Yeah. Um, I would say – I actually believe those two spots in the AFC South – make the most sense sure uh the the chargers do too the chargers fit Mm -hmm. uh to a degree so anyway i don't know if i answered the question but i think he's done yeah i I think he's done i I know he wants to and he said i can play until i'm 45 and i think he can but i also don't think he wants to go out in a wheelchair at 45 i think he wants to at least carry himself off the field still feel young and spry and and say hey we made it i Listen, making it to the playoffs however many years, winning the AFC East however many years in a row, that still means something. I know it's not the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. but he's already got everything, man. He doesn't need that one final moment. Nobody's remembering how Tom Brady went out. Oh, he lost to the Titans in the uh, playoffs. That's how Tom Brady went out. What a disaster. Nobody's remembering it. We yeah, all but work, bread. We know
1: everything else for Tom Guess Brady. Guess what though, when it comes to Tom Brady, it's not about what we think. It's about what he thinks. And if he sets the the age at forty five and says I can play at forty five, to me that's a goal. That's him setting a goal. And I feel like Tom Brady, out of anybody in this world, if someone sets a goal, you want to see it through, it's gonna to be Tom
0: Brady. Yeah, but I think he could he could um he could squash it with these two things. Okay. One, in no, no, okay. two, no uh, forget about injuries. Okay. One, I don't want to play for another team. I really enjoyed playing for the Patriots. And two, I the Patriots. It's not that they don't want me, but given my contract situation and where the organization is versus where I want to keep playing, we're not on the same page. And so, given that, I'm going to retire. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you can get away from that. I want to play until I'm 45. I mean, the guy's playing until he's 43 or whatever it is. I mean, I don't know when he turns 43, but. Um, it, He's done enough. He doesn't. Nobody's. Again, nobody's even. I know Tom Brady wants to play until then. I I think he's done. I I think he should have been done after last year and gone out a winner at the top. Just because I want to write that storybook, I think that's the way to go out. I really don't feel like Tom Brady uh, is done. I think he has some good football left in him, good enough football to play in the league and can still be productive. Yeah. But I also don't think he wants to go out limping out of here and, and kind of yeah. like peyton now see the only thing that squashed peyton from looking like that is the fact that he held the trophy at the end of the day of course but peyton was about to he look the final like say that. no he was but peyton he was the about the Willie Mays it out of his career sure and and he saved it because their defense was so damn good and, and he won the lombardi tr- trophy
1: i guess i just selfishly and maybe this is me just being a fan of football i want to see tom brady go till he's 45
0: right because we always talk about
1: how much we hate the Patriots and how annoying they are Bill Belichick Tom Brady all the stuff that they've been through and all the stuff that we've had forced down our throats in the the world of football but to be fair we're never going to see this again right like this is like that once in a million thing where like a, a satellite or a planet revolves around the earth you have one shot to watch it outside at night with your family before you never see it again and that's to me what Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are so I want to stand outside, I want to hang out with my family, and I want to watch that thing as long as I can, because at the end of the day, it'll never happen again. So from that perspective, I'm not going to say I want to see Tom Brady leave, I want to see him walk away, because he's good for the sport of football, regardless if you're a fan or you're a hater, you're still talking about
0: it, and... You're never going to see it again? I, I don't disagree with all that. I yeah. mean, I, I get it. I've I've appreciated Tom. I'm sick of Patriots fans. I hope they never <laughs> win again. I hope they don't win a Super Bowl title forever, and I'm from there. Between between Sean Payton, Patriots fans, and, and, and other fan bases, Brent just, and Titans people, yeah. You oh, just yeah. can't stand them. Man. No, I can't. I respect I I I, it. I, I, if the Patriots won 12 games in the next decade, only I'd, I'd bring a smile to my face just so the Patriots fans can remember how I suffered as a sure. kid growing up around yeah. there, and how you should suffer as an NFL fan, and not this greedy nature of winning well, a Super Bowl once every three years.
1: To be fair, though, from the media perspective, I'm sure that would be gold for the media perspective because now you got stuff to complain about.
0: Well, they do. They need to turn. They need a different storyline. I know, there. but um, but anyway, I, I, but I do appreciate what we just saw. I never yeah. stop short of that. Uh, whether you like Tiger Woods or not, whether you like LeBron James or not, whether you're Tom Brady. We are seeing – I mean, again, we just saw a decade that was brilliant mm-hmm. in terms of the the historical nature of it. And Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots are certainly a part of that. Yeah. I don't think they're a, an organization. I know a lot of people can't stand them because they've become the Duke and the New York Yankees and all that. But I always say this about the Yankees. Yankees are a tremendous organization. The Patriots are a tremendous organization. You get tired of the storyline, absolutely, but um, you you also tip your cap to them at the end of the day. I I do think it's done, though. I I mean, I think Brady's going to be done, and I think Belichick, if, if he cares about the legacy part, will also be done. But I don't feel like Belichick's going to do that. I think he's going to say, "Hey, you know what? We can still win some games, make the playoffs. I'll show you how good of a coach I am. Mm -hmm. We're still going to do that. I think he'll hang around for a few more years after Brady, and then he'll figure out how damn tough it is, (laughs) and he'll get out of there. Well, welcome back to the real world, exactly. Um, So, anyway, uh, all right. Here's here's uh, we'll, we'll go to break in a couple minutes, but you have said a lot on this show that. That young quarterback model, when it's cheap, is some of the best times to be alive as an organization and oh, win. yeah. Right? Yep. So the Mahomes right now. The, um, the Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. And by the way,
1: when you're talking about Tom Brady, I went through every single quarterback in the playoffs and saw where they ranked in terms of
0: highest paid quarterbacks to lowest paid quarterbacks. And this is going to be interesting. See, I'm way on what, you, man. What, I got what, you. What's amazing to me is the amount of dollars in the NFC alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Russell Wilson has a $140 million deal. Okay. Aaron Rodgers has a $134 million deal. I was going off just by, by this year. Uh, but, okay, go ahead. And that's fine. Yeah. Uh, even if, if I'll go average here because these numbers will be easier to swallow. Yeah. Russell Wilson, $35 million. Mm-hmm. Rodgers, 33 dollars Wentz, $32 million. Uh Who else? Jimmy Garoppolo, $27.5 million. That's four of them, right? Uh, who do I need? I need Kirk Cousins. Where's Kirk Cousins? I know he's on here. 28 million. Uh, And then Drew Brees, 25 million. So every quarterback in the postseason has a $25 million or more in the NFC. Mm -hmm. Well, Tom Brady's 23 million. We know he always kind of reworks his deal. He's really worth about 35 million, but he's 23. Um, What else do we have in the AFC? Uh, Obviously, Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And Tannehill is on a deal that's obviously very affordable because he was a backup guy. He's, against the cap, he's the 43rd highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. He makes $7 million a year this year. Correct. Um, so who am I missing? Houston, Deshaun Watson, rookie deal. The Deshaun Watson is the 32nd highest-paid quarterback in the NFL against the salary cap. And one more team, Buffalo. Buffalo, Josh deal. Allen, 29th. So isn't it wild? In the NFC... Carson Wentz, too, 21st, by the way. Yeah, Wentz. Uh, so in the NFC... You have every quarterback that's 25 million on this monster six uh, 100 million dollar deal. In the AFC, you have Tom Brady and then everybody else on a rookie deal. Correct. Right. Yes. Yep. Well, yeah, you're right.
1: Fascinating clash. Well, Jimmy Grapple is 15th. He's on a new deal in the NFC. Yes.
0: Yeah, he, so you're right. Okay. Yeah, I'm he's sorry. on. A, yeah, he's on a 100 million dollar deal. Yep. Okay. Garoppolo's, again, I mean 27 and a half million, Drew Brees is 25 million. I shouldn't Breeze isn't on a 100 million dollar deal, but he's on like a 25 million a year deal cuz he's so old. Yeah. But uh, you know, Wilson's 140 million, Aaron Rodgers 134, Wentz 128. Kirk Cousins 84 million dollar deal, but it averages out to 28 a year. Guarupello 137 million. Kirk Cousins right now his contract this year was the third highest against the salary cap. Kirk Cousins, number 3. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it goes to show, like you're you're not wrong about your rookie deal, um, completely. But this year, I believe a team with a quarterback that they spent a ton of money on might be holding the trophy, unless yeah. you like Lamar Jackson that much. Better.
1: I mean, and you know I do, but yeah, it's almost it's almost fifty fifty, right? Yeah. Because seven and five. Well, well, and it's amazing because Jimmy Garoppolo who at the time, you know, that was a monumental deal. Well, now he's the 15th highest um, paid quarterback against the cap. Yeah, you no, know, he's number 15. So it's amazing year by year how much that changes. Yeah, you know, you, you, I was the guy last year that was saying, if you look at the Super Bowl guys, I was like, because Tom Brady's the outlier because Tom Brady takes a pay cut. He does, yeah. But last year I was saying, oh, yeah, all these guys in the rookie deals, I mean, you, ha- you can afford to have the other pieces in line. Well, here's Aaron Rodgers, you know, in the two-seed. To be fair, the weapons on offense— are much to shake a, shake a stick at besides Devontae Adams. they got Aaron Jones and stuff, but like, let's, let's be honest there, The Packers wide receiving core isn't that great no. overall. But Aaron Rodgers commands a lot of that money. So I guess what we can say here, Brent, is if you're going to spend up and if you're going to bet the house on somebody, don't do it on the d- defensive end. Don't do it on defensive tackle. Don't even do it on a corner. You do it on a quarterback or you don't do it at all.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I think you're talking about elite players, right? You'd, you'd sign up for them anyway. It doesn't matter how it messes up the cap. Sure. Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Drew Brees certainly fit the category. I think also Tom Brady obviously fits the category. And so you're spending all this money. Now, Kirk Cousins, I'm not sure if it's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. Uh, Jared Goff, I think, I'm sorry, uh, Carson Wentz, I think does kind of fit that, if I didn't say it already. but. You know he's done a great job this month overcoming everything that they've got that they don't have, really. Mm-hmm. So, I I think you either have that elite quarterback or you're 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 going with the guy that you drafted, and and it's Mahomes, it's Watson, it's uh, Josh Allen, and again they're not an offensive team, but uh, you get my point. And it's interesting with the Jaguars because you know they tried to go with Foles, and and people hate the Foles contract, sure, but Foles would be what. What what number ranked quarterback would he be? Eighteenth, nineteenth, twentieth this year? Uh, I can bring it up in salary real quick. Making um, twenty one million a year this year. I, I'm sorry, twenty two. I think he was twelve, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Oh, is he that high this I thought year? He, uh, I'm sorry, he's uh, seventeen. Well, he's seventeenth overall uh, out of any position. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yep. So, oh, any position. Well,
1: it's funny because I was doing some research here. So the guy, so in the top twenty five, Brent, there's four or five guys that are actually in the top twenty five of highest paid players. That are not at the quarterback position. Guess what? All those guys are not in the playoffs right now. You got Cleo Mac. Uh, Cleo, I'm sorry, it's top twenty. Cleo Mac, Aaron, Aaron Donald, Donald, Demarcus Lawrence from from the Cowboys. Three out of the
0: top twenty, and they all didn't make the playoffs. Didn't make the playoffs. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean that's- Which
1: goes back to my point. If you're gonna spend the money, you should probably spend it on a quarterback.
0: And well, here, here we so go. Sign Yannick Ngakwe. Hey,
1: sign, sign, <laughs> sign Yannick Ngakwe, but just don't make him the, the,
0: one of the top twenty, the highest-paid NFL players in the league. And you're gonna be all right. You know what always baffles me is how bad our discussions have been over the last two years. Is is Blake Bortles contract mm-hmm. and Nick Foles contract, right? And how it's kind of screwed the Jaguars. But in 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 essence, if they could have just gotten a year out of each of those guys, it really wasn't a bad contract. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, if they could just get a year of of play that's at least respectable and starts and all that stuff it's those contracts relatively speaking they're not the kirk cousins contract 84 million guaranteed Mm -hmm. 28 a year you're tied in it for four years it feels like uh, the dead money all that stuff you really just need a year uh, maybe in Foles's case too but given the fact that he got hurt you really would only need him to say like if they were if they were going into twenty twenty and Foles had given you the last five or six games and maybe they missed the playoffs but he played pretty well you'd be like hey you know what that's a good investment twenty two million I, I think he's actually on the books the way the money works like mm-hmm. for fifteen million next year okay it's like man that wouldn't be that bad yeah but the Jags have just hit an absolute well they have whiffed Shank sure. time they hit a shank on the on the quarterback stuff because not only has it not hit but it's missed. So bad, like Bortles was benched, Foles was hurt and then benched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if they could, they, they couldn't have fallen into a worse quarterback hole in terms of what they gave their their guy. Sure. So the one rescue for the Jags is the fact that Minshew costs nothing. That rookie deal. I mean, it, what would Minshew be before oh, we go to break, What would Minshew? in uh, yeah. my, I have to get all the way down. What's he making? Like five hundred and sixty thousand. I have Dude, to get I mean, down to J- J- Joshua Dobbs is making more than Minshew right now um, Minshew by the way you know how about this? Desk? Dak Prescott only making 680000 this year crazy yeah, Minshew though again I mean for guys that played I mean Easton Stick is making more than him Kyle Sloter, who is that David Fales is making
1: more 63. than three. Okay, so I just counted. So, C.J. Uh, according making to my more numbers, Gardner Minshew right now is the 63rd highest paid quarterback in the NFL against the CAP.
0: Alex Tanney is making more than him, and so is Joe Webb. Deshaun Kaiser still has a job?
1: i with the-, the Raiders. Taysom Hill is making more right now than Gardner Minshew. Taysom Hill averages about <laughs> two plays a game.
0: Josh McCown's coaching high school football on Fridays and still making more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man. hey, maybe they did playing Blaine Gabbert making more than Gardner Minshew You're right, right now. You're right. Does that piss you off, everybody? <laughs> Drew is making more. You know, that's crazy, right? Don't tell Gardner Minshew this, man. He's going to ask for a new deal next year. Maybe they've fallen into something here. Maybe they phoned Don't
1: in. we got to keep this under wraps, Brent. You know Gardner Mintz is going on that RV right now. He's I got think a new, he he's got a new swag against him. He's like, I'm the best rookie quarterback. Don't tell him he's good because he might ask for a
0: new contract next season. We ready. just told him where it is. He's listening to the show somewhere in the in the Midwest. Let me come on that RV, Garner. Let's go, man. <laughs> hey, we'll be right back on ESPN six ninety. The coach and the GM will report to ownership as equals and obviously married up with each other. Everybody talks a lot about structure, and I think structure is important. But I think far more important are, the, are these two things, getting the right people and making sure they're aligned. I think if you if you looked at all thirty of the other thirty one teams, there's all kinds of different structures, right? But if you look at the successful organizations that are consistently in the playoffs year after year, there is alignment within the organization, and they have the right people in the right place, coach and GM. So that's Haslam, the Cleveland Browns owner. I mean, it's kind of what we talked about, like a lot on this show. Why has it been such a mystery for that dude? I mean, he, he's had eight different people. Like that guy just doesn't know how to hire people. Yeah. You know, somebody, it's hard. It's hard, man. It's hard to get the right one. Here's why it's hard, because you can't. Most people don't give him a lot of time. The fan base gets tired of it within two years at at the most. If you lose for two years, the fan base is done with you. Doesn't matter. They might if you had done kind of like Gus Bradley stuff, like when they the fan base was savvy enough and smart enough to know. Listen, we're not even trying right now. We're rebuilding this thing. He's got no chance. But at the end of year two, when you had lost that much, it started to be like, oh boy. And then by the end of year three, they were all out. Of course. I mean, it was shocking that they they brought him back to a lot of fans mm-hmm. and they didn't like it at all. So I think Gus in that situation, you maybe can get like an extra half a year before the fan base is like, see you sure. So that's what makes it tough. And depending on their situation, like I just didn't like the Freddie and I'm not this guy. I think a lot of people that can coach, I've said this before, Doug Marone can coach football. he's now is he a great CEO? I think we'll get a better idea of that maybe this year if he gets a little bit more yeah. power. But he can coach football. He's been you know,
1: around the game his entire life. Like Gus, he, he gets the X's and O's.
0: Gus Bradley is going down as one of the worst coaches historically. Mm-hmm. But he can coach football. He knows football, and that's why people hire him again. Mm-hmm. Again, are you good in that role? Totally different. Jack Del Rio had some success in the role, but he's been very successful as a defensive coordinator. Is it a better fit for him? Maybe I don't know. But the the bottom line is, guys can coach. Like Freddie Kitchens, I think he can. Co- he's not just a dumb guy that all of a sudden got handed a job and they were trying to make it work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's not how it goes down. You wouldn't do that. But the fit to me. Never made sense in Cleveland, like when we've talked bad about Cleveland and, you know and and I did and I said they're gonna win five games you yeah, you were right and I, I was about to hype man I was on the bandwagon the 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 reason why one of them is because I did I couldn't buy the coach sure, and there's very few times where I say that I, I usually can buy into somebody fixing it and to me i I always put more on the players than than most people do they put it all on the coaching, yeah. but I put a lot on the players and that one I couldn't do. I I wasn't signing off with the talent they had, with kind of the 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 personalities they had, and I I just thought it was a bad move right from the get go. I think they would have been off, and I wouldn't have advocated for it, but they would have been better off with a Greg Williams type of guy, sure, and and keeping him in there. And I think they would have had more success. I really do. On top of that, I just wasn't buying. It. I I just can't buy that that Baker Mayfield is is the face of like every commercial that we see this year, which he won't be in 2020, we can pretty much guarantee. Yeah, it's probably going to be Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, but he's not the face of uh, – To me, he still hasn't proven enough to me that he's the guy that everybody wants to follow. Sure. I, I still don't get by that. And although we joked about it as he's like chugging a beer at a, a Cleveland Indians game, I still think there is something to that. Like you're not going to see Eli Manning and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady – most likely do that. I mean, we see Tom Brady at Drew Brees, Philip Rivers. You just, you don't. Uh, you know, and that was my knock against Bortles at the end of the day. Like, Bortles is a fun dude to hang out with. You knew he was at the beaches and you know he's a fun, fun guy. Yeah. But your CEO, your QB, but you don't
1: usually see him do that. Brent, to be fair, though, we're singing this guy's praises right now, but I could see Garner Minshew at a shrimp game pounding a beer. Yeah. You um, know? I mean, I think a difference has to be just the maturity, right? Like once you have a family and everything, I think things start to put in perspective a little bit.
0: Listen, I think Tom Brady pounds beers all the time. Yeah, I, I think Eli Manning said like after he had a beer. You read that article. He had like a guy that gave him a beer after every road game or something. Like I'm not saying Aaron
1: Rodgers did it at a Bucks game, Aaron right? Rodgers and, it and, it and that's Bucks what game.
0: kind of started the whole
1: thing. Yeah, you that's, know? A so, yeah. yeah that's a good one. Yeah, that's
0: that's a good one. But once again, doesn't have kids. Doesn't have a family. He doesn't, and he's built up so much damn equity, man. Sure, I mean, he's not one of these young guys that's trying to do it. Sure, you Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So I, I get, that's not. This isn't like you can't drink beer and be a good quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> Not my point. Yeah. My point is you want a, a leader of men as two positions in that building, usually in the NFL. One is the head coach, and another is in the QB room. That's where the leader comes from. And if you have that, you're usually successful. Drew Brees is a brilliant example of it. Brady is a brilliant example of it. Uh, I I don't know where Rogers fits in that whole, but I'm assuming because of the respect that he has. He fits in it. Yeah, um, I mean,
1: what we heard when we had um, Jake Ryan on, he, he talked
0: about it. How he's got nothing but respect for Aaron Rodgers. You know? I, but I would say this, Gardner Minshew. To your point, and it's a fair one. Uh, it's an interesting way to say it. Gardner Minshew. Yes, I do believe he chugs beers. Yes, I think he's in his RV right now, and when they park it in wherever uh, <laughs> Texas, and uh, they're they're partying and having fun. Absolutely, no doubt as about they it. Should
1: man enjoy yourself?
0: Treat but, yourself. But. And you see the jorts and you see the mustache stuff and you see the the fun quotes and and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But have you seen video or anything of Gardner Minshew partying? Have you seen that side? We haven't. And I think it would be smart for him not to show that. In public, not to go to a baseball game or a basketball game and be chugging a beer. I, I it doesn't mean is I'm writing off his career if he does. Sure, but I think from that position, as you're a young player and trying to get trying to be that guy and get people to follow you, I'm not sure that's the 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 image I want out there. And Baker Mayfield, by the way, already came with baggage in that regard. He did, and so he was trying to kind of turn that tide. And I just thought some of the instances. I was like, "This isn't going to work out well. well this isn't going to be well." But I already questioned whether he could be that leader or guy, and I still do. Be, whether he was drinking at a Indians game or not. See, it's, yeah, and to me, I'm trying not to put too much into drinking a beer makes you a bad well, quarterback. Well, I really don't believe that. <laughs> no, no, I hear you.
1: But but here's the point though, Brent. Like, yeah, I'm not going to buy a lot of equity, and if you go to a baseball game, you slam a beer. You're not a good quarterback, you know, and one could argue if Aaron Rodgers is, in fact, a great leader. I go by what people say about him, so I think he indeed is a great leader. What was more telling to me about Baker Mayfield, this was even in college, was the arrogance and the cockiness that came from the the on-the-field performances and also in press conferences, right? Like, I'm reminded when he played Kansas, and they didn't shake his hand, so he's like, okay, I'm going to grab my crotch and shake it at you. Okay, that's telling. Um, It's telling when he wants to call out the media and say, that's the dumbest question I ever heard, things of that nature. Gardner Minshew maybe kind of gets on the media a little bit, but he does it in a fun, playful way. It's it's not from a, a standpoint where it's like, I'm better than you, you're an idiot. That's what Baker Mayfield did this entire season. To me, that's a lot more telling. Okay, Yes, Gardner Minshew is a guy that can have a beer at a a baseball game or a basketball game. He's a guy that can go in the RV and tour the country with a keg probably in the back. That's what I would do. You put the keg in in the RV, obviously. Don't stop at the gas stations. You got a keg in the RV. So Gardner Minshew can do that stuff. But to me, it's telling once he's in the facility, once he's in the locker room, once he's dealing with people like you and me in the media, he is respectful. He likes to have fun, but he's respectful. Baker Mayfield kind of crossed the line. I felt like a couple times, whether it's throwing teammates underneath the bus, throwing coaches underneath the bus,
0: and throwing the media underneath the bus. There's a difference there. Absolutely, it's like it's like anything. Like think about your boss at work, right? And 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 this is a nine out of ten type of scenario. I'm thinking, it, it's your boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, bottom line is your boss. And kind of with facebook and all this other stuff now we might be able to see our like our the bosses kind of let their hair down a little bit sure you know on a weekend (laughs) yeah and you're like but but the first time you see that Mm -hmm. aren't you a little bit like taken aback like kind of like wait a minute that's like the boss they're not supposed to do that they don't do that yeah and then you kind of and then it kind of sits in your mind and you're like Sure, he should be doing that. Could be doing that. Could be doing that. Why not? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just think that first look, and that's kind of the way I view the quarterback spot. It's like if my quarterback's out there having fun and, and having fun quips with the media and all mm-hmm. this stuff, and in the back of my mind, heck, yeah, I know he's pounding beers and having a blast in the offseason and all that stuff, and maybe even on Friday nights before a game. That's why I really never had the problem with the Blake Bortles stuff. I mean, most of it, in my opinion, was probably on like a Friday night well, when guys do let their hair down I, a
1: little bit. And let's be fair, too. I think Blake Bortles is pretty good in the media, right? I don't Absolutely. think he ever he never was
0: treated you guys bad. No. So, yeah. But so I think. But then when you get your the, – the guy, first of all, that already comes in with baggage. Correct. And then you add to it maybe some of the, the back and forth of the media or some of his actions, what he said. And he comes off snarky and I'm better than you guy. Mm. And then you also see him chugging beers at the – you know, and this is the – and, and doing every commercial in sight and, and all that stuff. And it's kind of about me, 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 me. It looks like it's more about me. Yeah. Kind of the opposite of what we talked about a little bit with Nick Foles yesterday yeah. where he didn't want anything to be about him. Yeah. There's that line. In, in my opinion, it's a fine line as the QB of a football team, much like it would be probably with a boss. Like you're like, hey, let your hair down a little bit, but seeing your boss like sloppy drunk, you know, yeah. it, is like that doesn't seem like a good look. Like, don't put that on Facebook. So, uh, so uh,
1: I'm gonna say something, and I'm sure I'm gonna forget a player here because there, there's always outliers in the NFL. But to me, if you take the guys. That lose their cool on the media. They call them idiots. Pick your position. And they do that. In my opinion, and once again, I don't have the, the players in front of me, but I think nine times out of ten, those players probably aren't the most successful guys in the NFL. I would agree. Right? And And... That's just the mindset, right? Where it's if you. Because they have take rabbit things, ears, they're
0: a bit soft, they exactly. all that stuff.
1: It, it, it's, you're emotional, um, you take things for, to heart, um, you, you literally watch everything that's said about you or listen to everything that's said about you. To me, that's, that's a toxic way of thinking, especially in a high stakes game and a, in a, uh, a performance based game like football. So once again, I think if you do take the guys that lash out at the media and have bad things to say about them or lose their cool even for a second, those are the guys I think don't last long in the NFL.
0: Yeah, and, and it, I don't want—I don't think it's just a media thing, but I think usually there's other actions that go along with that that kind of relate to it. Sure. And I think in Baker Mayfield's case, there are again—it's a, a personality type. It seems like it, you mm-hmm. know. And it, the great thing, the cool thing about like Bortles say, was he actually because of like that kind of just another guy and cool nature guy, all that stuff. Again, much like we're talking about with with Foles. Foles probably 10 times, five times the quarterback uh, of, of Blake Bortles. Mm -hmm. But nobody around here would give Foles the benefit of the doubt. He didn't do, he didn't say anything. We don't know him. We don't feel like who he is, what he is. We knew exactly who Bortles was. I mean, Bortles was just another guy. Um, was he the CEO type that Foles is trying to be? Probably not enough of, right? Probably not enough. There's a happy medium in between there somewhere along the way. Uh, and, and I think what I'm trying to get at here, it doesn't matter what we think. What I'm saying is 52 other guys in that locker room, it does matter what they think. And if we're talking about stuff like that, that means they're probably talking about it and question it. It's in the back of their mind. Even if it's not a big sticking point with them, it's at least in the back of their mind a little bit. Well, I don't think those things are in the mind about Tom Brady, about Drew no. Brees, about Aaron Rodgers, about even a Philip Rivers who hasn't had as, as much success as some of those guys. Sure. But I don't think it's in the back of the minds with them. And in fact, some of those guys have to do just the opposite. They have to actually try to get down to the level of the teammates and the players. Yeah. I think Rodgers doing that did it. Kind of said, "Hey, I'm not Aaron Rodgers making 35 million. I'm just another dude, just like the offensive lineman." Yeah, right. Yeah, so correct. it almost has a different effect. Same with Tom Brady. Tom Brady every year. What does he do? He puts on a suit, puts on a hat, and he goes to the Kentucky Derby with oh, his yeah, buddies. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's the one moment of the year, and you're like. Freaking Tom Brady's hanging out with, like, the punter sure. of the Patriots, and he's, he's going to the Kentucky Derby. Exactly. That's like, so you need that happy medium, is my point. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that lies. It changes probably for each guy, each team, whatever. Yeah. But we've seen two guys, I think, around here in Bortles and maybe Foles that couldn't find the medium. Correct. Between just being a guy and being a CEO, Bortles was too much of a guy that everybody wanted to hang around and have a beer with, mm-hmm. and maybe... Foles is too much of the CEO type. See, to me,
1: and if you're an NFL player, you're a college player, you're getting ready to go to the NFL, I'll write this down real quick. If you want to be a successful NFL player, not only on the field, but obviously how you're perceived in the media off the field, one of the biggest things you have to do, and we're talking about those personality traits, is you have to know how to handle adversity, okay? What, what makes the great Brady, what, what makes Aaron Rodgers, what, what makes you know the, the great quarterback so great is that they're not perfect. They throw interceptions, they make mistakes, there's overthrows, there's fumbles, there's all that. But watch how they respond after they do that. Right? They're like, alright, that one was on me, I'm coming back out here, let's go win the ball game. Yeah. Okay. Same thing can be said in the media. If you hear a reporter talking bad about you, if they ask you questions that you don't agree with, how do you respond to it? Do you let it affect you, or do you just answer the question like a professional and move on? Because the guys that can be a professional and move on, more than likely are the guys going to be successful in the league a long time. Now, there's outliers, Brent. You know, like I think of Jalen Ramsey a little bit, right? Like Jalen Ramsey, a classic example who went to war with the media last year a little bit. But to be fair, his adversity on the field, if he gives up a big play, he's the guy that's like, man, that wasn't my fault, whatever. I'm going to get that one back, you know? And now maybe that comes from a little bit of a delusion, but it's still from the standpoint of, he responds to the adversity.
0: Ramsey also, he can be on an island, which I think he kind of was in that locker room. I sure. think even in his own meeting room, I think there are guys that didn't love him yeah. and got who he was and be like, all right, Jalen being Jalen. Yeah. Quarterback can't be quarterback being quarterback.
1: Well, especially. And look at Baker Mayfield, not only on the field, but off the field as well. When he's on the field, you throw an interception, you lose in a ball game. Watch his body language. It's not good, right? He doesn't respond to the adversity that well. Same thing in the press conference. When so people ask him hard questions or questions maybe they shouldn't ask him, regardless of what it is, he's not being a professional. He's not handling the adversity well.
2: How is that different than potentially like a Marshawn Lynch situation where like he just doesn't interact with the media?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think he has such a respect amongst his teammates. If you talk to people that have been his teammates before, they love the guy. And but listen... You never, people aren't going to give you a hard time in a locker room if you don't like the media. Like they, no, didn't, they, 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 yeah. they didn't like didn't, people didn't. If anybody didn't like Jalen Ramsey, it wasn't because he had a beef with the media or if he was a pain in the ass to the media or anything like that. They, they, they might laugh that off and kind of they, they probably like that part. They think it's the funny part. Sure, it was other things that Jalen did in the building with his actions, with his me, me, me attitude, that maybe they didn't like. So but, I don't think there's a player on the planet. That would be disliked because of the way he treats the media internally. I I don't think so. But I think it goes with the whole package, especially at the quarterback position. This is what I'm talking about. That QB position of how you handle things. The idea that, to me, Baker Mayfield feels like... He's got rabbit ears about everything that's said about him, mm-hmm. everything that might be turned a little bit, and every and, and there's almost like a softness to that. He's not mm-hmm. mentally tough enough to deal with that. And when you're not in that position, that's dangerous. Sure. That's if that's my quarterback, I'm like, Oh boy, this is not gonna work out well. We're gonna be well, talking three times a year we're gonna have these blow ups and everybody's gonna be asking me about Baker. And to answer Kuz's
1: question, you know, like what is the difference between Marshawn Lynch and Baker Mayfield right because they're essentially doing the same thing they're kind of putting the middle finger to the media a little bit but the difference is the fact that Marshawn Lynch supposedly got misquoted by one of the reporters in Seattle and it was talking bad about his teammates he got upset he said you know what if you guys are gonna misquote me if you're gonna make me look bad I'm not gonna talk to you anymore so from the perspective of the difference between Baker Mayfield and Marshawn Lynch Marshawn Lynch is spending zero percent of his energy going after people he says I'm just sure I won't get fined. I mean, he's got these quotes that he says. It's almost like he's robotic with it. You know, he spends zero time and effort talking to the media. On the other hand, with Baker Mayfield, like – He's pre-calculated. He's preconceived. He wants to attack somebody for asking a dumb question. So he's putting his time, his effort, and his energy to doing that. Now, what the percentage is, I don't know. But the point is, if you're actually spending time to call people out in the media that shouldn't matter to you, the quarterback, you got issues. Marshawn Lynch,
0: just going with the flow. Yeah, but not even that, man. I'll even add one further. Forget about the media part of this. This, to me, has nothing to do with the media part with Baker Mayfield. But, I mean, I get what you're saying. I think it's even the Hugh Jackson stuff. It's like, okay, if you're – again, you're the quarterback. Somewhere along the way that, that – that wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing. Mm-hmm. That was more like you said. That was a calculated thing. Like, if I get a chance, I'm going to say something, too. Yeah. You know, every athlete kind of has that – whether it's a celebration in the end well, zone or anything and like let's that. let's
1: be honest. Lamar Jackson even did it when he said, I thought you guys said I was going to play wide receiver. Yes. You know, so everyone well, he, does it, but it was
0: – Go ahead. No, you're right. You're right. He did. Heck, even Mahomes did it the other day, right? The one, two, three. He counted. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe actually, now that in hindsight, maybe Mayfield falls more in line with that stuff. But he's he's not attacking,
1: though, people. Because even at the same point with Jackson.
0: I think he did it in a joking manner. It, well, it wasn't really like FU media. Well, he didn't you know? also say, he didn't want to say, hey, Bill Polian, you thought me I was going to be a receiver? Like yeah, He didn't yeah. call out anybody's name. Exactly. That was a general take by a lot of people. Again, the Mayfield stuff just feels different. And, and to kind of go back to this conversation, I didn't even know we are going to get on this, <laughs> but I, I was like, I don't think because he chugged a beer at a Cleveland Indians game in the summer, the Cleveland Browns had a bad year and he's a bad quarterback. Mm. I just think everything else around him and when there was some of that stuff with all the commercials, some of the off-season stuff like that, and every time I saw that I'd be like they're going to be 5 and 11. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. Sure. And I, I just I I just don't I don't think he's ready to be that guy. And he, he hasn't been. Now, does that change is a a a, flip, a switch flip? Maybe it does. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got it speaking of Gardner Minshew, okay? Um and none of that uh, end stuff has to do with Gardner Minshew. But the Jaguars tweeted today, all right? Let's start a conversation. We need to talk about this. Gardner Minshew is not a nominee for the Pepsi Rookie of the Year. First off, Gardner Minshew has more wins than any other rookie QB despite only starting 12 games. Wins aren't enough for you? How about these stats? Second, passing yards. First, passing yards per game. First, passer rating. Second, rushing yards by a QB. By the way, 344. I didn't know it was that much. Interesting. He won your award, Pepsi Rookie of the Week, seven times. No one else won it more than once. Is there an echo in this the room? The man had three game-winning drives in the fourth quarter. He joins Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, the only QBs over the last 25 it really? seasons, to throw for at least eight touchdowns and zero interceptions on the road in a single season. Did all this while being a six-round pick. But really, all that? He's not a nominee for the Pepsi Rookie of the Year? Funny. Is there an echo in this room? You said the same? Did I just say that at the start of the show? I know you did. Yeah. I'm just saying they tweeted all the information on top of it. That's what I'm saying. They're listening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why do I drink water and not Pepsi. Unless they want to sponsor the show. It's actually the number one problem with the NFL is their big time Pepsi sponsor not Coca Cola. Okay, that's going to oh, do it. Oh, Have oh. a good weekend. Hope you enjoy deal. the NFL playoffs. We'll see you on TV. See, that's what he said. And Fox 30.